Welcome to the Star Wars Collector's Archive Podcast. It's the Cast. Newest news on the oldest toys, from bubble bath to belt buckles, from 12 packs to 2 packs. New boss, alien bounty hunter, from the, from the, from the, from the, from the Star Wars collection. We bring the world of vintage Star Wars memorabilia alive with informative features and personal collecting stories. Offer expires December 31st, 1979. No, no, no. An R2D2 with Tempest Ghost. The Supreme Master, the Emperor. Brought to you by the Star Wars Collector's Archive. The SWCA.com. With your hosts, Sky Payne. Steven Chewbacca. 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 And Steven B. The Kivecast hits the road as we record a show live at some of the greatest vintage Star Wars collections in the world during the recent New York State Collector event. We interview friends, family, and collectors about their favorite items from the collections of Ron Salvatore, Yehuda Kleinman, and Paul Chu. Plus, we take you with us as we walk, talk, travel, and party together on a boat and in hotels. Steve gets initiated into the Papa Jalop ritual, and Sky conducts a strange interview with artist and bootlegger supreme Sucklord. Then, Ron and Yehuda transform into the official hosts of the Kivecast for the second half of the show, as they take you through the first ever ICCC convention in Nashville. Let's all party together, space freaks. It's the Kivecast. Late summer fun trips. Oh. I hope I don't name it that. So for episode number 91? Two. Episode number 92? Yeah. Okay, episode number 92, we're going to be recording in all different locations throughout New York State at different collector events. We are here about a month before the collector event at Ron's collection, which which I've called Ronderlay. But Ron, have you stuck with that name? Uh, Yeah, I haven't called it that. Okay, so that's what I call it. What's your name for Ron's collection? Oh man, this is all right. Fine. Okay, so uh, I need time for that. Yeah. Okay, so we're we're gonna go upstairs and we're gonna do what's called Kivecast Selects, where we're going to pick one item and ask Ron about its history, what it is, and uh, not only are Steve and I going to do it, but so is Tessa, his wife. And both of my children, who have been dragged here to upstate New York to uh, eat at Alexis Diner, have ice cream, and look at Ron's collection. Uh, okay, so first we're going to start with the first person who said anything, which is my daughter. Say hello to the podcast. Hi. Okay, so what is it that you like most in Ron's collection, and describe it? A fat Jawa. Why do you call it a fat Jawa? Because it's fat and it's a Jawa. And what do you like about it? It's a Jawa and it's fat. Okay, so it's in uh, Ron's new collection, uh, his new collection room, and it's grouped under the 1977 uh, banner. So how about Ron comes here and explains to my daughter what makes the fat Jawa, what, what is it, and where does it come from? Um, that is a prototype, so it's an early version of a plush Jawa that Kenner was considering releasing in the United States in the late 70s, and they never did release it. Uh, it was released by Regal in Canada, so uh, that's an early version. I don't know if it's a little bit different than the other, the regular ones over there. So uh, across the collection room, you can see the real Regal Jawa, Jawa, which is not quite as chubby, Zola. Do you think this one is as cute? Look, look at the less fat Jawa. Is this one as cute? No. 
Okay, and what else is different about this versus the other one? It doesn't have a little weird line thing in the eye. Okay, so there's a weird line thing in the eye. Oh, this is, yeah, it has a chip. The, the, the gold coating of one of the eyes is chipped on the prototype. But it's, it's more orange, and uh, it's, not, it's not as shapely as the actual production one, right? The other one is, I think the cloth is kind of pulled up to make it look kind of, the head is more distinct from the body, whereas this looks more slovenly in a way. And, and is there? Fat, I guess you could say. Yes, it is now the Fat Jawa. Just yeah. so you know, Zola has dubbed it that. Um, and uh, what, is there some story about how you came to own the Fat Jawa prototype? It's just from someone in Cincinnati turned up, and and I ended up with it. It's a it's a cool item. I mean, there's a few out there. Um, some people have turned them up, and since it looks different than the regular Jawa, they've assumed it's a bootleg or it was a homemade item. But it's, you know, it, I'm not saying they all all the ones out there that look like that are necessarily prototypes, but you have to be careful. Because it does, it looks distinctive. So if you have an odd-looking plush Jawa, it might be a uh, Kenner prototype rather than some kind of bootleg. All right. Thank you very much, Zola, and thank you very much, Ron, for the fat Jawa. Uh, now we are going to go to my son, who has picked out an item, which is probably the last item I would ever pick out. What did What did you pick out, Django? I picked out the Kenner 1992 Golf League Runner Up <laughs> Trophy. Okay, so Ron, please come here and explain why is there a golf trophy in your case of uh, Star Wars toys? It's in my case because it's a Kenner internal employee trophy. That's why it's there. But um, the reason I have it, that I got out of a dumpster outside of the old Kenner uh, office space um, in Cincinnati. And I think I was with John Wooten and some other people, but I remember John being there when we pulled it out. Uh, just, just a dumpster dive find from back in the 90s. I think the date on it is 92. I probably got it in 99 or 2000. So It's kind of a sad image of someone just throwing out their golf. Yep. Yeah, someone probably looked at it and was like, I don't need this anymore. I mean, <laughs> it's a, it's a runner-up, so it's not even that important. <laughs> All right, they, they didn't even quite win. Uh, it would have been cool if it was like a Luke Skywalker figure on top instead of some generic golfer, but no. All right. Well, thank you, Django, for picking out my least favorite item in Ron's collection. <laughs> okay. Actually, we have a second question here now by Zola because she's getting interested. And before, she was kind of grumpy just watching old commercials. So let, let's see. What are you asking about now, Zola? Wait. Why is there a metal stormtrooper with bunny ears? Okay. Why is there a metal stormtrooper with bunny ears? Not a bad question. Um, those, that is, there was a company early on named uh, Archive Miniatures that made gaming miniatures and uh like dungeons and dragons sort of yeah for for stuff like that role play games type stuff and they did a line of unlicensed star wars characters and obviously th that was not legal for them because they didn't hold a license and at some point in order to get around licensing stuff they put bunny ears on their figures <laughs> uh, because i guess that would make them distinct and, and they thought that would get maybe get them around uh, copyright or whatever it is, or trademark, I'm not sure, whatever legal term covers that. And I think the idea was that since the bunny ears are pretty thin, you could easily grind those off or cut them off and then grind it down, and you'd have a stormtrooper. I think that was the idea. That's the story I've heard. They also did, but they also did a lot of weird things. Like they did a, a duck Vader, like to use a Darth Vader with a duck's bill. And so maybe it was just a joke. I don't know. Um, but the story I initially heard was that that was the idea was that they could you could cut them off. 
Wow, and that's part of this unbelievable collection of miniatures here that, uh, yeah, Django, stop drumming on his display collection, that, would you? That's the noise, isn't oh, it? Oh, no. I think he was just drumming on it. Oh, your finger was hitting it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So let's, like, let's not break his collection, a, Django. He just... Okay, so he's now taking, uh, yeah, so this is a, an amazing collection. Are you going to do like a blog write up of these or? Um, uh, yeah, I'm still working on getting them before. Okay, well, you should email Steve if you want to see a blog post about those. Okay, uh, okay so S Steve has one picked out. Now we're going into the other room. We're going away from the prototypes and all the super special stuff into the production room, which is in and of itself quite special. Uh, here you go, Steve. Here's the, here, you explain what you're seeing. Well, just in general, the room or just this, my specific thing? Your specific thing. Okay, so mine is kind of a... It's a cheater one because it's one item that contains hundreds of others. It's this scrapbook that Ron has with all those vintage ads in it. And I think there's a pretty decent story behind it. So, uh, Yeah, I can't, have we, um, I can't remember if we talked about it on some other. It doesn't matter, I guess. Uh, that scrapbook was put together by a lady named Marlena Rios in the 70s and 80s. And she and her sons were big Star Wars fans. They lived in Modesto, so George Lucas's hometown. And basically, every time Star Wars was in the newspaper or she found something referring to Star Wars on a, you know, a box or something like that, she cut it out and put it in this scrapbook. And I acquired it, I think it was in 2003, maybe? Uh, I, I remember we, I went there with, you know, Gus and Chris Gullius and Todd Chamberlain and Fluffy, and they were selling a bunch of stuff. And... Uh, and I remember everyone was most interested in that book, and she kind of couldn't believe it. She's like, "This? Why would you be care about this? Like, this is the coolest scrapbook I've ever seen." But it it covers every the whole line and the whole not just Kenner, but uh, Star Wars licensing as it appeared in the papers of that area from '77 through. I mean, she had everything up through like the Hamilton plates. Hmm. So it, it that's really one of my favorite items. And a lot of the items you put up on the archive, like the throwback stuff, comes from that scrapbook, right? Uh, uh, yeah, a fair number. Um, there's been stuff from other sources, but a lot of the stuff came out of there. And it's it's just, I love stuff like that, so I, I really like advertising. So it's a special item, I think. Awesome. So a good choice, Steve. Oh, no, the other choices are good as well, especially the golf trophy. <laughs> See, I, I, I think the, the bunny ears was the coolest, but that's okay. We'll have to have a, a vote. Well, put a, a poll up. No, we won't. Okay. Okay, now Django's asking me if I have something. Have what? That, uh, that one over there. The Takara Chewbacca? Yeah. The giant Japanese one? Yes, I, I do have that one. Takara, oh, that. Yes. Okay, so, uh, let's see, Tessa, have you picked out your item? I have picked out my item. Okay, what is it? I'm going with Unibrow Yoda <laughs> toothpaste, or to toothbrush holder. Yeah. It's yeah. huge. Yeah, it would down. take up the whole counter of your bathroom, I think. Yeah, we, we've heard... It seems very impractical. Yes, this is an amazing... It's like a bowling ball. <laughs> oh, my God. So how could we describe this? I would describe this as a Yoda... If Yoda were Ed Asner, um, <laughs> and he had holes in his head, uh -huh. like he was having some kind of brain surgery, and a big unibrow, and it's, I don't know, some kind of ceramic. What's the story behind this, Ron? Uh, I don't know, honestly. Uh, I've been collecting bootleg ceramics for... She's 10 years or so, and I always am on the lookout for unique forms because there's a lot of repetition. Uh, and I'd never seen this one before, so, I mean, it was on eBay, and I jumped on it as soon as I saw it. Uh, the guy described it as a toothbrush holder, and he had toothbrushes in it, and I think, uh, I guess, I don't know what else it would be. I don't know what the big center, maybe that's for your for toothpaste? toothpaste? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess, yeah. Uh, it's but it would totally... go so down. Yeah. Into it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a truly bizarre looking item. I've never I mean, seen anything like, like it. 
know. He's got like chest. Yeah, he's got like he's got like Ricardo Montalban's chest from Wrath of Khan, and then he's got a monobrow, and he has like this placid like. He looks like he just passed gas, and like he's very pleased with himself. But um, I don't know. Other than that, I don't know the story. But I love, I love stuff like that. Just like weird one-off stuff. So awesome. Okay. Okay, and I, I'm going to bring things down a little bit just because when we talked about the Black Bespin Guard, who's one of my favorite figures, uh, I don't think we talked about any of the things that Ron has here. So I was talking to Django, who is looking at the collection, uh, asking me about all the, these different Chewbacca things and did I have them, and most of them I didn't have. And I was trying to explain to him how Ron is not a focus collector, but if he wanted to, he could have the best focus run on just about eight or ten different figures without even trying, just based on what he has here. And I think that goes for the Bespin security guard. So in the name of all that is good and holy, Ron, what is all of this stuff in your black Bespin guard run here? Because you have about four items here, right? Oh. So let's... Um, okay. Uh, well, on the stand there, that's a painted hard copy. That's a painted hard copy. So that was hand-painted? Yeah. Uh, and it, probably in Cincinnati or something? Uh, yeah, I'm sure. It, it, it must have been used for photography or something. I bet I wouldn't be surprised if I really tried. You might, I might be able to match it to some kind of product that it was used on or in some sort of catalog but that's what that is and, and is that it yeah, Django you gotta stop making weird noises over there um and 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 is is this on the archive uh probably not yeah I don't think I've ever seen this before it it is really nice because it's nice because it looks really hand painted and mm -hmm. and you really see the I don't know that the painting is really nice uh is there any story about how you got that uh I came from an employee and I, I got it because I had several other Bespin guard items, um, but yeah, that's that's okay. about the extent of it. Nothing too special. And then, I mean, relatively speaking, it'd be the most special thing in my life. But for Ron, eh. okay. And then next to that is just a head. What's that head? Uh, that is the sculpt for the head. Um, Wait, what? So, yeah. <laughs> Did you know you had this, Steve? Uh, I don't think so. Probably on the archive. If you look, you see there's a parting line on the side and everything. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that, that is on there. Oh, wait, we, did we even discuss that? Yeah, we, we probably did. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, but it's, it's in the, that white, I think it's called Plasticar, might be the name of that, that typical. Uh, in the late, the late Empire, a lot of the figures are made in that white uh, wax. Uh, so that's what that is. And you know, next to that are some kind of cast-off hard copy parts. Um, that now, were obviously why do you say cast-off? Because they, they weren't perfect castings, and... They're not finished, you know, so the sprues are still on there and stuff. Uh, so I have basically the whole figure except for the torso. The torso you see there is a wax torso for the, the Asian Bespin guard. And uh, I got it thinking it was a sculpt. And then as soon as I really looked closely at it, I noticed some some signs on there that makes me think it's actually a cast. But it's on a buck. So it's on a, a brass sculpting buck. Um, which is interesting. Uh, so at some point they must have been, it may have been made in order to produce the black one and then it wasn't, you know, they didn't go any further with it. That might be one reason why it's like that. Uh, and did you find these all together? Is that why you put them together? Or is that just your attempt no, to the, display them? The, uh, they came from different sources. You might remember I told a story about going to the sculptor's house years ago. Um, and Chris ended up with a big pile of stuff, yeah. and I got one item. That was the one item I got. <laughs> okay. So, the, I, and then I got in the car. I was like, oh, it's not even a sculpt. I looked at it closer. So, you know, it just kind of added insult to injury. But 
Um, now, this yeah. is a famous story that we have to repeat again, right? Because the guy insisted you could only buy one item. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Well, it takes a long lead up to really tell it right. But yeah, <laughs> we tried to buy stuff from this guy forever. And, you know, finally he was like, all right, you can buy one thing. And, you know, uh, I think I maybe got one first. And I was like, well, how about this? And he's like, ah, he hemmed and hawed. And he said, okay, I guess. And I was like, all right, it felt like you win. And I think Todd got like one item. And then Chris is like, how about this? And he piles like five things into this and the guy's like ah oh, sure and it's just <laughs> what and that was the birth of you snooze you lose because yeah. isn't that what he said didn't he say to you he said that yeah he's like you snooze you lose <laughs> well ash you snooze you lose and you're way behind right from the start i got a pokemon and you don't anyway i got that that was a one item and then wait wait just the torso yes <laughs> not said, not even said a... one item <laughs> so you just end up with this fake torso oh my god <laughs> yeah. well uh, whatever um that's still probably worth you know 10 grand now but uh, uh yeah. Yeah. and then in back of that's a quality control and sign off sample uh that 32382 would have been pretty close to when that figure came out. So, I mean, you see. And there's really not a lot of pre production material for the Black Bespin Guard, and that's his debut card back. So, that's actually a really special piece, Ron. Especially, cool. like, I got it because I had the other stuff. You know, there's a few other sign offs in here. Did you get most of your sign offs at the same time? Uh, yeah. You know, me, I and a few other people bought st- some stuff from a guy who had. had just a ton of stuff and you know at the time it was like months you know we went back over a couple of years and bought more from this guy's basement and so he just had a basement filled with stuff at the time i was buying you know a lot of it i bought because i did not have the production version and so that the sign-off quality of it wasn't even really that big of a deal it's like oh well i don't have you know a boxed die cast star destroyer you know and it's like and so that's why i kept it but then it also was a sign-off item, so you know it, that's kind of the way it developed. But the figures are probably the coolest, just because they were action figures, and some had stickers on them with writing, and then other ones were just written right on the card. You know, you can there's other examples floating around here. Then yeah. there's some twelve-back ones like the Han, where it's written in pencil on the in the price area. Awesome. Well, that's our first Kivecast selects. What do you think, Steve? As far as a uh... I think this is going to work. <laughs> yeah, I think this will work. We might even try and get more people. When we come back, it's going to be like 80 people in this room. It's going to be super hot, sweaty dudes in rooms. Um, um, it's not going to be... Usual. <laughs> but I will forever... Like, now, every time I come to your collection, Ron, I will remember the Fat Jawa and the Golf Trophy and the Tooth... Do you like the holder. setup? Yeah, the yeah. setup is awesome. It's, it's amazing. It's sad because the futon where I used to sleep is now gone. Yeah, so well, I guess I'll have to, like... My sister s- has it, so you can go over her place and sleep on it. <laughs> okay, or I'll just sleep on all those plush you that my daughter almost jumped into. Fat Jawa? <laughs> yeah. Use a pillow? Yeah, I used the Fat Jawa as a pillow. <laughs> All right, awesome, Ron. Thanks a lot. Yep, thanks for coming. Excellent. Good questions. Okay, so the sound quality is not going to be great here, Steve. No, probably not, but... We're, we're on the back of a boat. Uh, last time we talked was a couple weeks ago. There hasn't really been much to report on so far at, at this event, Steve. Not, not yet. This is just getting going now, I think. Yeah, so we're, we're on a boat, though, which is cool. We're on the Hudson. Uh, West Point is right behind us. And we're just reporting in to say that we have finalized all of the giveaways and cool stuff for the archive party. That's what we've been doing on this boat, running around, networking, talking to... See, I'll start saying all the names. Talking to Bill Cable. Yep, and then we got John Peck. 
and Jared Clark. And Yehuda Kleinman. And and then the last guy doesn't want any credit at all. <laughs> so we're not going to give him any credit at all. No. But his initials are the same as Justin Timberlake. <laughs> so Justin Timberlake helped us out. So anyways, uh, we're going to be uh, going to Yehuda's tomorrow, talking about that. That'll be exciting. But right now we're looking out and seeing all the vintage luminaries here. Do you have anything else to add, Steve? I say, I mean, yeah, within the last, this is how we, we do this. Every every time we're together, it takes about a half hour for us to get a lot done. And it works out really great. And this is a, a Yeah, it's, it's like we talk a little bit about our lives. Like, oh, yeah, my, my new girlfriend, she's awesome. And, oh, yeah, how's Tessa? She's great. And then we, like, get down to work. So <laughs> the archive party is going to be bigger and better than ever. All right, well, let's, uh, let's talk next time. We feel like it. Sounds good. Listeners to the show will know that I am no guest, no infrequent guest to the Yehuda Climate household, but I'm now here with Steve for the first time. This is, uh, this is insane. And, and we're going to go up to the AT-AT-IC, as I call it. No. Uh, everyone else, what, what does everyone else call it, Steve? The Attic. And we're going to just talk to the people who are here and have them tell us what their favorite item is and, and why it's interesting. Why, there's Alex Bickmore, as a matter of fact. Alex, do you have a favorite item that you would like to talk about and explain to the listeners of the Kivecast? Well, Art of the House and all its contents inside of it, which yes. would be one thing. Yes. Uh, personal favorite, it comes down to character decisions. So I do like the Jessica Mead head mold. Okay, so let's go over there. We're going to walk over there, and I don't know much about Jessica Mead or, or what a head mold is, okay? So, so who is Jessica Mead, Alex? Jessica Mead was one of the second series unproduced droids figures from Kenner in around 85, 86. It was a new introduction of a female character pilot. Um, great figure. It got to first shots pretty much and then canceled. Quite a tough figure to find, even compared to other unproduced toys from the Star Wars line. So that's like one of the most rare UDEs. It's one of the most toughest UDEs, UDEs, call it as you wish. But like Manjolpa would be considered one of the more common ones. Then you get to uh, Mungo Baobab and Jessica Mead and Screed. They're much more tougher to get. Okay, so then this is a head mold. So, so what, what, what does that mean? So the head mold is a part of the process in which the figure is actually created in-house. The original wax sculpture, after being completed, is placed into a rubber base where a negative impression is made. When the wax is pulled from that, they can start pouring in a resin and making copies for the first time with high details and possibly make adjustments to it, see how it looks and form fits. A couple of those samples and resin we painted up and sent to Toy Fair or for photography or possible salesman samples. Usually just a couple or even less, perhaps depending on how the line is canceled at what point. But the final figure that they clean up the best and looks the best is the one that's sent to China to create the steel mold, which then therefore makes the actual plastic injection mold with the first shots and so forth. You know, Steve, we should ask him what is going on in Yehuda's collection and not Yehuda. What do you think? Uh, that's a fair call. <laughs> Every time we ask Yehuda, Alex, he knows everything, but he just says it wrong whenever we talk to him. So then we have to issue retractions. That was great. Matter of fact, Steve, I think we should quit the, the podcast and just let Alex... Okay, so meet your new host, Alex Bickmore. Thank you very much. This is the Alex Bickmore Show. We'll be talking about Bucky O'Hare and Transformers. <laughs> I'll have to ask you who Bucky O'Hare is. Uh, now, how about you, Elaine? Would you like to tell us what your, what your favorite item is? 
in the ATAT. So this is Elaine Grief, uh, who has uh, no. First time on podcast. Yeah, first time on. The, is this your first time on the podcast? Yeah, it is. This is my very first time. I'm really excited here. <laughs> Maybe you've overheard it in the background every once in a while. Um, you see, her, her husband Will Grief is, is suggesting what her favorite thing is. Yeah, I don't. I was eyeing this. I opened this. Uh, see, it's like a folder of penny pocket or pennies. Okay. And they're all. Look like they're Star Wars pennies, and I didn't never imagined there were this many pennies of just Star Wars. Oh, so so these are like the the smashed uh, souvenir pennies. Is that right, Steve? Right. So these are the press pennies that you get at like Disneyland or Disney World. And Yehuda actually wrote like a insane blog post that details every one of these. And uh, so if you go to the SWCA blog, you'll see the, every single one of these on there. These are awesome. These are yeah. so cool. Yeah. yeah. They're super awesome. Is that everybody? Okay, good. Oh, no, wait a minute, Steve. Who else is here? We got the, uh, the other grief. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have Will grief. Will, what is your favorite? Desirable grief. Right? Yes. <laughs> the less photogenic, less everything grief. So, so what, what is your favorite item in the ATAT ick? I would say the ceiling. The ceiling is my favorite oh, item. Alex. I mean, it's just incredible. Yeah. It, w- it would be equivalent to the Sistine Chapel. <laughs> and maybe you, you guys can describe it better than I can, but it basically walks you through all the different Star Wars movies. It's, a, it's painted in a kind of like a pyramidal fashion. It's just incredible. It would be perfect, except I think it's, it's, missing, uh, it's missing like episode two scenery. <laughs> yes, and there's no if, episode two if, or three. If, if there was Anakin and Padme rolling around on the grass, this would be the perfect... Oh, with those inflated tick things that they they buy. Exactly, yeah, yeah, perfect. But but otherwise, it's amazing, and I'm sure you guys will show that on the podcast, pictures of it. Yeah, so, I mean, Will's the collector who has everything, so he's too cool to think that a collectible is that cool. So what he likes is the one thing you can't collect. But it is true. It is the thing that makes the collection so special is this this added element of just absolutely unheard of, unseen, original art that I think will, like, be famous in, like, 30 years. Like, I think this people will be talking about. (gasps) Oh my gosh, is that you who made those? This is for you, I'm saving it for you. I, okay, so this is my favorite thing. Okay, so there's swag at all these events, and Elaine is quite a seamstress, is that what you call it, seamstress? Or an artisan? Swagster. A swagster, and she made an imitation of the vintage plush Chewbacca as like a keychain, and I got here late. I got here, what, Friday night, Steve? Yeah, it was Friday night, yeah. So she was giving them out, and everyone's got these on their lanyards, and they don't care about Chewbacca, they don't care about... I don't care about craft, and I'm thinking, oh, I don't know, and I'm like, ah, how do I get one? And Yuda's like, I'll give you mine. I'm like, Yuda, I'm not going to take yours. I'm like, I'll just, I'll just go on. I'll be fine. So this is this is my favorite thing in in the attic now, and uh, it's right here. So it's, it's also tell tell them about the, uh, the the tag. Oh yeah, it's got the Canadian Regal tag. Um, oh. Well, it's it's kind of supposed to be like it. It's, it's yeah, so it's like the the much rarer version. Yeah, it's got the little blue, uh, little blue starburst. Wow, that is amazing. Well, thank you. How about that, Steve? Uh, yeah, yeah. I was hoping she had one of those for you the other day because you weren't here yet. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I knew she would. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, then uh, I guess we'll come back and talk to other people later at some point, right? Sounds Does that good. Sound good? And we'll get your favorite. Ooh, and we'll introduce the new feature later. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, okay. uh, that's a tease. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. wait. Just wait, just wait. Wait, wait. We're here with Kevin Lentz and Yehuda Kleiman. A very beautiful moment here. What is this that we're looking at? This is the weirdest, most Yehuda-ish stuff I've ever seen. So you're holding two items in your hand. Right here we have, what is this? So this is an English uh, read-along book to the Buena Vista read-along series. 
So that's just like you would listen to the record and it would say, turn the page when it says... Turn the page? No, when it says... Beep, beep. Beep, beep. Jackie, can you say beep, beep? Beep, beep. There you go. All right, so that's what he has, and we all had this and used to play with that. Looks like it's copyright 1979. And then what's this on the left? So this is an Indonesian bootleg little golden book. A bootleg little golden book, so like those things you buy at the supermarkets with the little things on the bindings. And the the pages, the pictures from it are taken directly out of the read-along text, and then, of course, the text is in Indonesian, no audio, just the book. How did the children know when to turn the page? You might have to ask a child that question. Okay, Jake, if you were reading a book, when would you turn the page? If there was a beep-beep. But but what if there was no beep-beep? I I don't know. They just wouldn't turn the page. So I guess all these Indonesian kids are not reading these books. They never got page page one. Okay, so we currently asked Duncan Jenkins for his item, but he spent so long that we actually have to start interviewing someone else. So once again, we're going to interview uh, someone uh, related to, but much better than Duncan. We're talk- now talking to Ann Jenkins about what interests her in Yehuda's AT-AT-Ick. Well, the thing that stood out to me was the power spark um, welding kits that I understand from Duncan were never produced, but Yehuda um, has an amazing display of um, the prototypes here. Evidently, you've got a welding gun that sits on a little base, and they came in di- may have come in different colors. He has green and orange, and then you would use this welding gun to put together your X-Wing or your AT-AT, and um, if you played with them and fell apart, evidently you could weld them and build them back together again. That's amazingly industrious. Yes. No wonder it never took off. Yes. That was pretty for the engineers of... Of, of the future. Of the future. Yes. yes. Of a long time ago. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, this is good. We're, we're starting to talk about maybe getting into modern stuff. I now see your husband looking through a whole bunch of books. And I, I tell you, I don't think this was fair of me to ask him. I think we might lose him for the rest of the day if he has to pick one item to talk about. <laughs> what do you think? Have you picked something out yet, Duncan? Oh, yes. Here we go. So it's not exactly one item, but I really love the Yehuda's focus on the Hebrew language um, items. And so he has some great uh, books and VHS uh, from Israel that are, you know, practically unique. They're just so uh, so rare. Right. And so you've been looking around for books from every single country your entire collecting life. Is that right? That's correct. And, and how many of these Hebrew books do you have? Well, I have the, the Star Wars and the Jedi ones here. Uh, that uh, Yehuda has, but I really like the fact that they don't use a lot of the same covers. Uh, the artwork is different, and of course, um, they read in a different direction than than we do. So it looks like you're starting at the back of the book of what we would be used to to flip through the other way. Yeah, yeah. This image is great. It's C-3PO and R2D2 on Endor. It's a very kind of random image. I've never even seen that image used on on anything before. We need to look more. But um... <laughs> <laughs> I'm t- I said that to the wrong person. <laughs> Adam Joseph has a button that's a very similar image. Um, but it is, you're right, it's not, and particularly with the logo like that, it really makes it change the way the whole image looks. Um, and so that's why, you know, it, it looks completely different than what you're used to. But you're right, it's the, the part where R2 and 3PO are on, on indoor uh, just before they get captured. And uh, it's a really fun, fun image there. Now, funny thing is, Steve, what were you going to ask Yehuda about? So these uh, these VHS tapes from Israel, were the when I saw those, I'm like, I could not believe what I was seeing because it just makes perfect sense. Those are the two other things that you pick out in this entire room. <laughs> yeah, so Steve and Duncan had the same thing. So 
was kind of a spoiler alert on, on ah, Force Ah, nice. All right, it's coming up. But yeah, I had not seen them before either, so I'm really excited to, to see those. Awesome. Well, thank you, Duncan and Ann. All right. All right, so Steve and I just come up to the collection room every once in a while, and we just, we just try and find people to ask. Does anybody want to talk about something in this room for the podcast? Not you, Yehuda. Anyone have a passion to describe something? Something they love? Well, there's this podcast director that is uh, yeah. over six feet tall. Yeah. Strawberry blonde hair, a little, uh, little beard coming in. There we go. Uh, that's all right. the main thing I love in this room. Well, that's very nice, Duncan. How about you, Jonathan McElwain? Is, is there some some item of the of the of the Huda's ATAT ick that you particularly love? Well, I love the uh, all the Yuppie figures over here. So I don't have any Yuppie figures. As you know, I'm a food collector, so it's something I'd love to have. But uh, it's amazing how many he has. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I think it's, hey, Yehuda, how far are you from a complete collection of Yuppie? It's complete. Oh, it's complete. It's com- I mean with all the colors. Oh, well, I'm doing all the colors. Oh, he's okay. If you were to have all the colors, all the characters, how many Yuppie would you have, Yehudi? 40 times 8, so that would be... Mm, 11. <laughs> no, about 280, is that 280? I guess. Okay, so you would have 280, but no, you have, no, so have 40 total figures, but you would have no, to have... I'm totally wrong. <laughs> You know, you, every time that you... It's always at a party at my house. After I had two drinks, and you always start with a math question. Right. Could you start with, like, a history question? Is someone in the bathroom? Okay, Ron wants to know if there's someone in the bathroom. So it seems like we're, we're harshing the vibe up here, Steve. What do you think? We're on the brink here. We're on the brink. Okay, but uh, you wanted me to introduce you to Hector, so I'm going to go do that now. Hector, Hi. this is Steve. He wanted to meet you. You guys are... Oh, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay, well, Ron, R-A-R, Ron, 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 Salvatore, he do run, Ron, he do run, Ron, wants to talk about... A gyroscoping lightsaber, which Yehuda might have said we can never talk about on the podcast. But are you here, Yehuda? He's not here. No, we're, it's okay. I'll just edit it out if you can't say it. Okay, so what is it that you see? Uh, this is a... Uh, Yehuda has one of two of the original version or the original intended version of the Force lightsaber. If you look at the early catalogs, you'll see that it was originally, rather than a, the, the whistle feature that was released where you, you swing it and wind, air goes through it and it makes like a buzzing noise... Um, originally, it was supposed to have a gyroscope attached to the handle that when you turned it on, it was electronically powered. It would buzz, and that would be the force that you feel. So you feel like the force in your hand inside the handle of the lightsaber. That was the original idea. That sounds really cool. Well, and that's why it's called the force lightsaber, because you would feel the force when you turned it on. Uh, Gus Lopez has one, and then a few years ago, Fluffy turned up another example, and Yehuda ended up buying it. And uh, I'm not sure off the top of my head how it differs from Gus's, but it's one of two and is a great piece. It's basically an unproduced toy. It's kind of like the rocket fet of role-play toys. So uh, if you get a chance ask Yehuda if you can take it out. I think it actually works, so you can take it out and put it in your hand and feel the force in your hand yourself, but that's one of my favorite pieces that he has. And so then when they actually made the, the lightsaber, they just kept the name, the force lightsaber? They did indeed, and um, I remember a Kenner person actually telling me that they had come up with this idea that you could uh, structure the, the engineer the saber in such a way that when you swung it, wind would make a whistling noise. And since that's basically cheap as could be, <laughs> someone at Kenner was like, well, that's better than the other idea because it, it saves money. And they, they took out the gyroscope and they changed it to a regular handle. But if you look, I think at the, maybe the 1980 pre-Toy Fair catalog, 
um, you will see that it's it's a. Di I think it even maybe refers to it as a gyroscopic saber. I might be wrong on that, but I think it does. There's there's definitely Kenner marketing stuff that refers to the gyroscopic. Uh, effect that that thing was supposed to have. Yeah, and it's, it's really cool because he has the production one behind it. And I think we need to rename the Force lightsaber that they produced. Steve, I, I have an idea. You ready for my idea? Yeah, let's hear it. We should call it the Wiffle Saber. <laughs> because it's the same technology as the Wiffle Ball yeah. that makes the whizzing noise. Remember when yeah, you throw yeah, a Wiffle yeah, Ball yeah, absolutely. and it make that noise? Yehuda has it displayed on a, a sort of a, acrylic holder and it has a mirror backing. So when you look at it, it looks like there's two in there. When I was here with Fluffy, he's, he pulled me aside. He's like, bro, where did he get the other one? <laughs> he's got two of those that I'm that, that's, that's, that's a, uh, I said, I said, Fluffy, <laughs> that, that's the mirror. And he's like, oh, you're right. I thought he had two, bro. I thought he had two. That would explain the guy behind it who looked just like me. <laughs> Thanks, Ron. Okay, so... We're up here with uh, Yehuda and Dave Brock and Steve, and I've had this idea for a brand new feature for the show, uh, which there's so much cool vintage stuff, but the older that modern gets, the more interesting it gets. So I think that we need to create at least once a month, or that being probably, you know, every once in a while, so a section we're going to call Modern Lovers. Modern Lovers. Modern Lovers. Time to Modern. discuss a toy Modern. made after 1988. Modern. You dig? Which is a section of just things that we love that happen to be modern. And Yehuda showed this off recently, and Dave brought uh, Space Freak, decided that this was the thing he likes the most. So, what is it that you see in Yehuda's collection that you love? I love the Han Solo uh, Fruit Loops Sendaway from, I think, 96 or 97. Probably 96. 96. 96, says Yehuda. I still, I just love this figure for a lot of reasons. I, I remember walking into a grocery store in Oakley in Cincinnati, Ohio, near where my mom lived, and seeing that in 96 and not knowing... It was out. I was. I, I had the nine figures, and then. Um, okay, so that's the the nine Power of the Force figures, the original ones that came out in 1995. Yeah, which ones that jump started me back into or into collecting, I should say, and uh, I just saw the uh, the box of the Fruit Loops, and I just thought it was so cool. And it wasn't advertised. I mean, there wasn't internet back then, but I don't remember ever seeing or hearing anything about that anywhere. So I bought immediately two boxes of Fruit Loops because I was an adult who could buy sugar cereals if I wished, as opposed to... Who was going to stop you, Dave? Who was going to stop me? In the 80s, I would have to beg my mom or dad to buy them for me, but this I just... I purchased two. I instantly sent away for it. I ate all the Fruit Loops, and it came in the mail to me as an adult collector, not as a kid, but I had not mailed away since anything since uh, probably the Emperor way back when. Yeah. And so it's, it's Han Solo as a stormtrooper. And why was that special? It's, it's, it was special to me. It was exciting to get a weird figure in the early line. I thought it was weird. You know, they hadn't done some of the core characters like Lando even at that point. And uh, also because they never did the, with the Luke back in Power of the Force 1, they had never done a Han. So I thought it was historic for that reason. Um, and it was just great. I love the removable helmet characters. Always love those. So cool to get a Han. I mean, I'm looking at the box now. It says Kenner on it, which I also love. Yeah, it says, so the, the Loop Fruit Loops box says, free with two proofs of purchase Star Wars action figure from Kenner. Very, not at all Hasbro. <laughs> yeah, not at all Hasbro yet. Definitely not. Uh, awesome. And then, so Yehuda, you know, this is an item which, did you feature this recently on, the, on Facebook or something? I think I'm not, not publicly. 
Oh, you didn't? I think privately. Everyone keeps talking. All right, there's no point talking to you. It's okay, you don't. You okay? You want to talk about this? Yeah, sure. You okay? Uh, Steve, is he okay? I think he's all right. I think he's okay. Okay, he's looking at me like real angry eyes. Will, aren't these angry eyes? Those are the nicest eyes I've ever seen. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I don't know. Okay, so, so what I'm is... I'm very pleased to be here, Scott. Yes. And, 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 and to talk about this. It's a, it's a lovely piece. So the history of this piece... Now, now, first of all, this is not just the thing that he got in the mail. Now, Yehuda also has two mailers actually from Kellogg's right here with his name on it back when he lived in a cool part of of New York City, Brooklyn. I'm just, he lives in Queens now. I'm just right. Actually, you know, Queens is cooler. Okay. And so this is the production toy, but behind it is some kind of prototype. What kind of prototype, Yehuda? So we have the painted hard copy that was the one that was actually used to take the image on the box on the back of the box of cereal, and it, it, you can paint match it to the original figure. And so when we all saw that box and we got excited about finally having a Power of the Force figure for Han Solo in a Stormtrooper costume. It was, it was an important, iconic time in Star Wars collecting. And it was also after the dark time when a lot of people were not collecting or interested in Star Wars and was first getting its renaissance. And it was produced simultaneously along with the first wave. In fact, for me, I didn't even know about the toys in the stores before I knew about that mail-away. I just had come home to my parents' house at that time. I was in medical school in my first year, and I had found a box of cereal. And it was Fruit Loops, which I, I love Fruit Loops. And so, <laughs> so I opened it up and I They're magically it. delicious, am I right? No, you're wrong. That's Lucky Charms. <laughs> but Fruit Loops are super awesome. Anyway, so I, you know, I turned the box around and I said, what? And, I, and it was like something like if you were dreaming about what could be if you were a kid. So I said, all right, this is no way. So I turned to Ma and I said, this is crazy. And I said, I'm, I'll be right back. And I went out to the store and I bought like 10 boxes of cereal. And I mailed away for a whole bunch of them. And I wasn't really living at my kid's address anymore because I was already out of the house. But, you know, I have them with my childhood address on them now because it went back to that house, which is sort of cool. Are these your first Star Wars collectibles? As an adult? Yeah. No, because I never stopped collecting. Oh, oh you're one of those. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> awesome. So it's the actual hard copy. And how, how did you end up with this piece? Uh, so a friend of mine, Joe Iglesias, actually was able to get that from um, a box that was, it was lying in the bottom of a box. It, there was a box of 12-inch hard copies for the upcoming lines. And the bottom of the box was this piece. And it was taken out, and Joe had it for a while, and... Uh, and, and sold it to me. And when I looked at it, I was able to, be, to look at it closely and study it against the box and realize it was the exact figure on the box, especially by the flare of the hair on top. You could see paint that's an exact match. And um, what's also interesting about it is it comes with a gun. And the mail-away figure didn't actually come with a gun because the cereal company did not approve of weaponry on toys and so they nixed the gun but this one has the original hard copy gun and the gun is different from any other Hasbro gun for that line because it has two grips instead of one wow wow I had no idea about that um, so I mean this I remember I was in Watertown Massachusetts it was the year in between high school and college I took a year off to work at Blockbuster you might you might wonder do I still know my my employee number yes I do two nine zero zero two seven three seven two two nine and uh, and I remember getting the cereal and sitting there with my buddies and I'm like I gotta do this and I sent away for it and I ordered it so Yehuda 
as always, you are ahead of the curve. You know what's going to be popular before it's popular. You are one of the greatest modern lovers of all time, isn't he, isn't he Steve? I'd say so. This is the, as far as kicking off a new feature, it's going to be tough to, uh, to top this one. Yeah, it is. All right, well, thank you, Dave. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Yehuda. And uh, thank you, Tuki the Toucan? What's the Toucan's name? Sam. Sam. Toucan Sam. Sam. He's magically delicious. (laughs) I'm just going to jump in to say that uh, the next several minutes are not exactly like drunken nonsense, but pretty close. So if you want to not hear about, you know, people partying and having a good time and you just want to get to the toys, jump ahead to the following minute. 50 minutes, 25 seconds. Okay. If you're still here, get ready for some nonsense. We have to record this. Long time space freaks will know that uh, one time I maybe had a little bit to drink and started eating jalapeno poppers and drinking cognac next to Yehuda's house. Well, I'm recording without Ron, who's peeing in the bushes, but I won't tell anyone who's pissing in the bushes. I didn't say pissing, I said peeing. You're not telling anybody about this, Ron. I'm not telling anybody about it, Ron. No one will know, okay? Nobody knows? No one knows. And, 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 and so, no one in the podcast knows that you peed on the bushes outside of Yehuda's, all right? And, and also, you know, Brock's here. And he doesn't drink much, but he likes the jalapeno poppers. And we got Steve, and we got Ross Barr. And, and and we're just we're finally going to experience for Steve the feeling of a jalapeno pop. Should, do I need to sing the song? I feel like that that's a that's a facetious question. You were going to sing it anyway. <laughs> that is quite accurate. Oh, once you pop a jalap, uh, once you pop, you can't stop. Uh, with a jalapeno popper in your mouth. So, Steve, what, what do you think of a jalapeno popper mixed with cognac? Well, we're about to find out. About to find out. Ron, how was your micturation? Oh, he just got ashed on by somebody. <laughs> Ross just burned Ron Salvatore's penis off. <laughs> well, uh, what's the question? <laughs> There's no question. All right. So I probably shouldn't put this on the show. So, all right. Did you even say what you thought about it, Steve? I'm going to try it. Where's Yehuda? He was supposed to be here. Well, yeah, where is Yehuda? Um, all right. If you haven't learned yet, when you send Yehuda out for something, usually he gets distracted by 70 or 80 things and then doesn't show up. Yeah, he, he's in squirrel mode. All right, I probably shouldn't keep recording. So I said I wasn't going to record anymore, but uh, we have a, a review of the mixture of Cavassier Cognac and, and Jalapeno Poppers. Brock, what is your review of the mixture? Uh, yeah, that's not good. Okay, Steve, what, what is your review? I like both things, but maybe not together. Uh, and, and Ross, what is your review? It's sweet, it's <laughs> salty, it's spicy. None of it works together. None of it. <laughs> All right, and, and Ron, I mean, you were here for the original. What was the original Papa Jalop? Uh, I think it was maybe a 4th of July weekend about three years ago, three or four years ago. And yeah. I think that... um. Uh, it, it's a uh, element of fine cuisine that people haven't come to appreciate yet, and people only people of fine taste can really appreciate the the combination. Right, like I'm like a French professor, you know. Yeah. I'm super sophisticated. I eat fine cheeses and Rock, good Rock, wines. Rock drinks surge, so you don't need to take his advice about anything. And yeah. Ross is, you know. And Ross just grades repos. Uh, <laughs> oh shit! We were gonna talk about that on the show, Ross. Dude. 
Weren't we, Steve? Yeah, we don't need to talk about that because it's bad for Ross. It's bad for Ross, but if I'm, like, drunk and Ross is here, that'd be funny to talk about. No? <laughs> I'm getting a lot of head shakes. No. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. Ross isn't afraid. So, Ross, true or false, grading repros is great. Well, if you ask the community, it is a bad thing. It is a bad thing. I well, learned that very quickly. I learned that very quickly. Was Yehuda missing the, the group photo? For the uh, party at his own house, the most Yehuda thing ever. It was. was probably. We took a big photo of the party at Yehuda's house, and Yehuda missed the photo. That was probably the most Yehuda thing of all time, I think. And now he, Yehuda is not present at his own Papa Jalop celebration. He's not. Probably the second most Yehuda thing ever. Uh, oh, the Matthias is showing up. Matthias, we're recording. Some, hey, you want a Papa Jalop hefe? This What's is the jalapeno popper. This is the greatest American food. And then there's some Covassier, uh, not Covassier, well, it is Covassier, uh, cognac, which is the greatest yeah. French food. This and like you mix them together, and I know they're great, and no one else does. So here you go. It's classic cognac. Here we go. Oh, you already got one? Yeah, he's a lot of I'm going to give one to, uh, I can't, oh, I spilled it on my pants. And I don't have any clothes. <laughs> I don't have any other clothes. So now my pants are going to smell like cognac. Okay, this is going, I, I need to, st Steve, I've got to stop recording. You take over. <laughs> See you guys. And also, I won the, the costume contest, Steve. We didn't mention that. So the, 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 the costume contest was you had to dress up like a, uh, like a, like a vintage figure and have it tied into New York. So I bought one of those John Lennon shirts, and I cut off the sleeves, and I got a, a vintage, that's a Huda coffee in the back, a, a vintage uh, a belt buckle, and a cross, and then I got, uh, yeah, well, I had very tight pants, because John Lennon wore tight pants, that's just what he did. Someone asked me, hey, where'd you get those tight jeans? I had to say, those are my jeans. And then, of course, okay, that's Matthias, this is a bad scene over here. We're down one Sherpa. <laughs> Just sheaf it out. Sheaf it out, man. Sheaf, sheaf. Choked on the pipe of peace. <laughs> Say it one more time, Ron. Sheaf Sherpa has choked on the pipe of peace. <laughs> oh, my God. And then, Steve, because I've, I've already... Saw, yeah, well, he's... he's making on the podcast is all of this. Oh, this is all making it. We're going to do... Stuff about CAS should all be... I'm going to leave stuff about CAS because Ross needs to get it out there that his company exists. You know what I mean? So, like, all right, one more thing, which is, where did I get the mask, Steve, for the wall? So the joke was, I dressed up as John Lennon, but with a walrus man mask. And I, was, I am the walrus man. Where did I get the mask, Steve? More to heads. That's right. So now you get the second singing from Sky. It was made by Mark Enright. More the heads, more the heads. When, when you, you want Star Wars figures made, made from cement. cement. Thank you. Thank you, Mark Enright. Thank you, Star Wars. Thank you, Sheep Sherpa. Are you okay, Matthias? I think so, yeah. I'm good. <laughs> Mark Enright, who was on the list of people to be invited and we never got to, and I feel bad about now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Mark rules. All right. Well, I'll, I should stop recording again, Steve. <laughs> on behalf of the show, and by that I mean on behalf of me, I'd like to apologize for that whole mess. 
Coming up next is another non-toy-related bit of nonsense. This is Ron and I the next day discussing um, our strange event at Dunkin' Donuts. I've just listened to it again. It's really not even very funny or interesting. I'm only going to include it on here because it's sort of like, you know, if you want to be a part of uh, like the feeling of going to this thing, a lot of it's like driving around and 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 grumbling and like getting unsatisfying meals. So it's kind of fun in that way, just sort of like weird uh, inside jokes and like traveling along with Ron and I. Um, but if that's really not your thing, you won't offend me. Just just skip ahead to the following minute. 56 minutes and 10 seconds. And if you didn't, then uh, here's time for a, a story which seemed a lot funnier at the time. But tell me, you know what? Listen, if you think this is funny, then you just post on, on Facebook or you say to me or Ron, Ron Konkama, and, and we'll know that uh, it was good that I put it on the show. All right, here it is. The Ron Konkama Dunkin' Donuts story. Despite how the audio you might have just heard seems... I am waking up the next morning without a hangover. I'm doing quite well. I'm doing okay. Uh, Steve is, I think, back at the hotel, but I'm driving around with Ron R.A., Ron Ron Salvatore, and uh, we are in the city. I mean, it's a city with so many nicknames because it is so beloved. The Big R, Kokomo, Raka. But we're in, we're in Ron Konkoma. Uh, how, how did we say that, Ron? Ron Konkuma. Ron Konkuma. We're in Ron Konkuma. And we just went to Dunkin' Donuts, and I just... I have to describe the chaos and confusion of the Ron Konkuma Dunkin' Donuts. Okay, Ron, so, so we walk in, right? And first of all, they are playing Top 40 music at a very audible tone. Whisteringly loud. I believe the song was called, What About Us? So if I do my work, I'm going to put that on in the background right now. So it's the song and it's playing really loud. And you walk in and you see, you know, usually where they take your order right there at the, at the cashier and there's nobody there. And then we go down, there's no one in line and we just sit there and about eight feet down the counter, there's this woman who's like, yes, help you. I was like, what? Yes, help you. Oh, uh, great. Uh, I would like a, a bagel with cream cheese. Bagel? Yes, a bagel with cream cheese. Toasted? No. And then she kind of stops for a second. And then she says, anything else? I'm like, yes, whatever he would like, because I was, I was paying for Ron. What did you order, Ron? I got a plain sesame bagel. Okay, so... It's not the simplest thing you can order at Dunkin'. I'd say it's probably even simpler than just give me a crawler. And, and so, so he orders it, and she's like, what? And he has to say it again. And then... And she says, with cream cheese? And he's like, no, just a plain sesame bagel. And then for a second, she goes away. And then she comes back and she just says, with cream cheese. What about us? What about us? It's playing in the back. And it's like, no, no, no. Wait, well, which one? No, no, you. And she points to both of us. And I was like, the plain bagel is with cream cheese. The sesame just with butter? No one's ever said butter in this entire equation. And, and the music's playing. And, and then, uh, they know, just play cream cheese. And then, no coffee? Okay, we're, we're, okay, we're, we're, we're trying to get out of Ron Konkuma in, in every sense, like spiritually, physically. Anyway, and then, and then, and then Ron orders his coffee, which I think is uh, cream and three splenda. That's correct. Now that, 
okay, yeah, we, we gotta turn left on Expressway North. And so, and so then, Ron orders his coffee, and then after that, somehow, there's even more confusion about the bagels, and it's taking a really long time, it's really strange, and she still never come closer than six feet to us. <laughs> she finally, finally, some other person shows up and goes to the cashier and just says, how can I help you? And at this point, I don't know if she knows that I've ordered or if she thinks that that's how I'm going to say what we're ordering. So I say, what? Oh, so we ordered a... And then the other woman stops making our bagels to come over and take our, take our money. And then finally, she hands Ron the bagel. And then about five minutes later, I get my bagel. Because I gave you one with butter. Did you, did you notice that? No. The lady told the other one, no, cream cheese. And she went and like tossed yours in the garbage. I <laughs> mean... <laughs> I made another one for you. That's why I took so So yeah, the moral of the story is not that those women were, were bad. The moral of the story is Ron Konkuma. <laughs> the moral of the story is Ron Konkuma and understaffing on Labor Day. Which, by the way, it's Labor Day. So if you work for a living, uh, good for you. And, and if you don't, you know, uh, what's your feeling on labor unions, Ron? <laughs> um, I think they have one on Bespin, right? The Ugnats are unionized, but there's suitcases. That's true, they are. All right, hopefully next time it won't be some point in the story. But no promises, space freaks. <laughs> All right, so Steve is returning his car to the rental agency and Ron Konkoma. And uh, I am at Paul Chu's house. And I'm here next to Matthias. And uh, we both just lost our breath at this image. What would you describe as the first thing you see when you walk into Paul Chu's house, Matthias? A big-ass original photo art uh, of the Tuscan Raider. And yeah, I mean, I I've very rarely seen first 12 photo art. This thing, for guys like Matthias and I who prefer 2D to 3D, this is just breathtaking. Uh, so let's see, what do we see on it? We see that it's at 76, it says 76% underneath the picture. Why does it say that, Matthias? And that's the number they were going to scan it in, so they will reduce it to 76% to get the 100% car back size. Right, and so then, I mean, you, you wrote the book on, on how these things were done, right? So then, how does photo art become photo art? Where does photo art begin, Matthias? Well, you get a still image uh, from the movie, uh, which uh, Lucasfilm sent to Kenner. Uh, Kenner ga gave the transparency to Kim Simmons, or at this time, it was uh, Frankenfield, his Kali where we start to work, I don't remember right now. And they made a print, a photographic print from that uh, transparency, and they gave it back to Kenner, and they had their internal airbrusher, and he did all the artwork on that photo print. Right, so then the, the, air, the airbrusher, what did he do on the Tuscan Raider print? Let's just look here. If you look closely, and you'll see this in the, in the show notes and everything, it looks like he extended out the left side of the rocks behind the Tuscan Raider. Yep, uh, exactly. Uh, he didn't work where the blister was going to be. That was unnecessary work. He created uh, the mountains uh, from behind all uh, by hand and created a sky uh, above it as well. And then on the actual card back, the sky is what color, Matthias? It's more like purplish. It's like purple pink. And yeah. I, I always sort of wondered if I saw the photo art, would it look purple or pink behind? But it's not. It's this beautiful white line. I mean, this image is so striking just because. Yeah. That is. And, and you look closely at the gaffy stick, there's like enchantments for high lightnings and stuff. A lot of details that you won't 
don't actually see if you don't look close. And one thing that's amazing, and I haven't looked at the original card art, but if you look, um, if you look at the at the uh, the mountains that, and you say you know the name of the guy who airbrushed this? Yeah. What's his name? Oh, I don't remember that now. We'll have okay. to cut it in later on. Okay. Well, you know, you have to buy a new proof, the yeah, book. Yeah, I know. But but if you look above the Tuscanator's head, there's a little pencil line of where he was going to extend the mountains a little bit, but then he didn't. He didn't color it in. Actually, on two different spaces, you can see that. So you actually get the sense that you know they didn't quite fully finish doing what he was originally intending. Exactly. All right. So then, so then once this was here, and it says 76, and what are these like little targets on the on all four sides of it? There are like you can likely say like scan marks, uh, crop marks, uh, just to get it straight. When because then it was sent back to to the photographers again when it was done. So they were like putting it on a, on a wall or on a like photo table. Okay. So they can have a straight shoot at it. Okay. Uh, and then you made a new print with the finished photo art. And so then so it's almost like second generation, like all card back art is basically second generation imagery? Yeah. Like a photograph of a photograph. Yeah. Right. And in this case, it's a 76% reduction. And then next to it, there's a number that says number 9097. Do we know why it says that? No, probably like an internal uh, number to identify the figures. Okay. And then, yeah, so this is just an amazing thing. So then when we'd be sent off, it'd be photographed, and then at that point you'd be turned into a chromolin? No, not at that point. Then they used it like on the left-hand side, we see um, a transparency. Like oh yes, that's right, Space Freaks. I've been hiding something from you. Next to the photo art, which I understand, is something which I don't understand at all. It's like a weird negative image of the Tuscan Raider card back, and it's like reverse, and it's got a little ruler on the bottom. You say this is called a transparency? Transpa no, that's a ne this is a negative. So, well, uh, after they made a photo art, uh, and then they made a print of the photo art, they could start making mock-ups. Okay. Uh, and they hand-pasted everything, the logos, uh, ages, uh, foreign up, you can see, like, uh, there's a generic uh, assortment number uh, as well. So they made a mock-up, and then they made another photography of that mock-up. Oh my gosh. So this is the photo of uh, the mock-up. Okay, so, so this, isn't, uh, this isn't a picture of the uh, proof card or Kremlin, so this is a photo of... Nah. Of a mock-up, and the mock-up was never going to be used to make anything. It was just to give them an idea of what it was going to well, look like. Then they can use this to make prints. Okay. And then when you look at the Boba Fett, uh -huh. they made a print for the same negative, but for Boba Fett, obviously. Right. Like almost like a photostat copy, so they can use this like at toy fairs and stuff. It's at least a quick way to make uh, a mock-up for toy fairs and stuff. Okay. So, but this would not be like this little uh, transparency. This. Little little negative was never actually used in the actual production of the card back art it was a, a part of the process for it's part sure. of the process yeah, but like but not no. the actual okay no so then well, you after, see there's a generic assortment number right. and there's probably a lot of details in this they're not there and then after they did that they then would have gone back to the photo art to make a chromalin no, uh, so they will do this again when okay. they know the assortment number and stuff. This is a lot more complicated than I thought, yeah. Matthias. So it's like almost like this. These kind of things were like the mechanicals. Okay. Uh, and then you made prints of the mechanicals, and then you can make chromolins, and then you can make a proof card from the chromolin. Okay, so there's another step in between these two things and a and a chromolin, and that's the mechanical. Yeah.
Okay, exactly. uh, and then there's no mechanical here. No, th this could be. Now we know because of the assortment number. If the assortment numbers were was correct on this one, this could have been the mechanical. Okay, and, and what's a, just a one sentence definition of what a mechanical is? Well, it's the final. What can you say? Like the final mock-up of the car back design. Okay. Uh, the, yeah. All right, and then and then we can make a chromolin. Then you can make a chromolin. And then after that, we make proofs. Yeah, you can go to printers, and they use the chromolin as a reference to look. Uh, so the chromolin is the proof. Right, and and then they sell it, and then everyone has it, and everyone's happy. Exactly like that. But then here's my question. So then later they they had to airbrush out the LP logo, right? Yeah. So is this the sand? Is this the Tuscan Raider photo art for both the 12 back and the 20 back? Well, Do you know? The Yes, there is like they use the proof cards for 12 or proof cards to, to uh, airbrush it out. So like you can say that the proofs that, that are out there with airbrushing, they are the mechanicals for the twin backs okay, without so, the LP logo. So when they took out the LP logo and changed the Tuscan Raider card back, yeah. they had to use the proofs themselves to airbrush on, yeah. not this original art. So this and is the only original art for Tuscan Raider so, all the way through the line. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And then like that proof, they could use that either as mechanical and li likely nobody knows for sure or they could most likely use it for toy fairs as well when they remove the LP logo and they wanted to show examples of it. Awesome. Well, we're enjoying our mimosas. David Gall is here. My, my uh, phone nugget fell off. Do you have any comments about this item, David? Uh, no, it's, it's a joy to sit back and listen to you guys talk about this and uh, enjoy yourself. <laughs> Alright, thanks, David. <laughs> Okay, so Steve finally got here from the airport. How was that? It was all right, actually. Not bad. How much did the Uber cost? Uh, 90 bucks. All right, 90 bucks. Okay, but we're back here with David Gall, who acted like he was a big dummy who knew nothing. But <laughs> I heard him giving this awesome speech. So what we're looking at here is a Boba Fett chromalin from Empire Strikes Back. Absolutely clean and beautiful. And then around it is a red copy, a blue copy, a yellow copy, and looks like a white copy. Well, it's actually a black copy. So, so think of when you replay place the toner in your copier back at home, uh -huh. it's the same colors. Okay. So, uh, except for you call it cyan now, maybe a little bit of difference. But what these allowed is these are called the color separations. So out of these four colors, you can make any color you want to pretty much out of the rainbow and into the chrome one. And that's called CMYK, right, Steve? That's right. Do you know what CMYK stands for? Cyan, magenta, yellow. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm tired. <laughs> K, K stands for black, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, oddly enough, right? Very confusing. Yeah. But, uh, yes. Yeah, so the idea of separating each one of these colors, if, if at any layer you had like a blotch or you had something that was causing like a distortion, um, you could separate it out and look for those fallacies at that level. Is that a gal I see? No, it's just a fallacy. And then when you would line them up, you could you could stack them on top of each other, and you actually get the full color picture that you would actually get in the chromin. So that's that all kind of comes together. So, so so these are all before the chromin was made. These separations were made. Uh, yes, yes, okay. ninety percent sure of that. Um, there's probably guys that know this process a lot better than I do, but yes, that is my understanding of it. And then as you see, like the, here again, we have the little targets in each one of the corners. All those come together so you know the exact lineup and that the things aren't a little shifty and shaky. Um, so how do these separations exist? Well, uh, these were saved by a gentleman that actually worked at a chemical company that helped make the, the, the backgrounds, the things for them. Okay. He saw Star Wars, thought Star Wars was cool, uh, grabbed, I believe, a handful, I, I think the number's probably around 10. So, so 10 what? 10 separations? Ten, or? Separations for 10 card backs. 10 characters, yes. yeah. 10 different characters. Okay. And, and 
that's give or take a few. Um, sometimes collectors are funny about seeing what they got and what they didn't. But um, but these were, were put aside. He thought they were cool. He had a younger, I believe, nephew, and he, he loved Star Wars, so he took two of them. Okay. Took them to him, gave them to him as like a birthday gift or just something he thought would be cool for him to put on his wall, and he <laughs> kept them. Yeah. Uh, fast forward to like... And 20- these are just the separations. He didn't have the Chromans as well, right? Yeah. These Chromans probably came from Nyheisel? I believe he had Chromans and everything. I believe oh, they, they okay. were whole sets. It came, as, it came as a whole set. So um, this kid, forward to 2017, and he was in need of some new car tires, found out there was a, a toy show in town and thought, well, maybe... In, in I, Cincinnati? Yes, in Cincinnati. And he decided if he would come to, to the toy show with these, perhaps he could get uh, some money for his car tires. Okay. Um, collectors saw these. Uh, the excitement level went through the roof. And people were kind of going back and forth on, on some bids and some offers. And in the end, the guy, uh, the guy did get his car tires. Uh, was excited about the value. That Talking about there. some Lorenzers there. I mean, with the, with the rims and... Uh, exactly. Exactly. Um, and then he said, well, you know, my uncle, I think, still has like nine more of these or seven of these or whatever. And he said, uh, he said, you know, if, to the final buyer, he says, if you're interested in them, I can maybe contact him. And surprise, surprise, he was. The uncle was in Europe. Uh, they decided they could afford a phone call to Europe to, uh, to talk to the uncle. And he said, as soon as I get back, I will, uh, I'm going to spend lots more money in Europe and go ahead and get the things that I want. And I will see you guys the day I get back. Wow. And so those all came to market and sold? Those all came to market. And I believe they've all sold at this time. Yes. I haven't seen it. Have you seen those, Steve? No. Have you even heard the story? No. Why has David been keeping it a secret from us, David? Uh, we just need to hang out more. Yeah, I guess so. I'm ready, so. buddy. I'm ready. Anytime you want to sit down, I'm, I'm always love sitting down with you and sharing stories. All right. Well, well, this is really cool. I'm going to try and take pictures so you can imagine putting them all together to make the Chromelin. But, I mean, I'm learning a lot about the production process here that I already I thought I kind of knew. But seeing it here is, is quite amazing. So, thanks again, David. So, anytime. Travel safe, guys. Okay. Yes. So, uh, we're now here at Paul Chu's with Paul. Hi. And uh, Paul and I just completed a He-Man puzzle. And how much time, Paul? Uh, it was a lot longer than I expected for two older individuals. Yeah, for two older individuals with a fair amount of education under our belts. Uh, I mean, I, I spent about 10 years in college, you know. You're probably about the same. Yes. Anyways, point is, we couldn't do the puzzle. But we did it, eventually. Yes. Um, and the well, Jonathan McElwain showed up, and he was the one who tipped off Steve and I. We asked the question a while ago, Steve. What was the question? Wait, where's the uh, where the rocket fed end up? <laughs> right. Where did the carded rocket fed end up? Because it was in the 2008 auction for right, right. Premier Collectible Auctions right. for 100k, and it didn't sell. And we said that's actually not a bad deal. I wonder who ended up with it, and who did end up with it, Paul? It ended up with me, and you all see it here on display for our little soiree. Yes, and there's someone else here who has something to do with this uh, this item. Who's that? Eric Janicki. He actually saved the day. Let me tell you all, he saved the day twice. Okay. He is the original owner of this Toy Fair Rocket Fet, and he also got this signed certificate from Ken Kelly, who originally painted Kiss's Destroyer albums and Migos, <laughs> uh, Migos Micronauts line. He painted this item over here. Eric Janicki has saved the day twice now, so he's got me my certificate today in Long Island, and he had this Rocket Fet. Eric, Eric, come on we're, we're, So we're now discussing the Toy Fair Rocket Fet, and you were described as a hero, a savior. So what, what, what's your connection to this piece? So um, I found it from the guy 
who got it from the guy who took it from the Toy Fair booth. So basically... <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so then this was made somewhere in Cincinnati, presumably, through a process that was just outlined by Matthias, and then it was used at Toy Fair 1978 or 79? 79. 79. Okay, yeah, so, so I met a guy uh, back in the mid-90s or so when all the new Star Wars novels were coming out, I would go to a bookstore to buy the books. And this guy would always see me in the sci-fi section and um, start talking to me. And he told me he was a Star Wars fan and a collector, too. Um, And his previous job, he worked somewhere where he had credentials to get in the toy fair. And his friend also got in the toy fair. And his friend knew he was a Star Wars fan. So he said, at the end of the show, he somehow got the figure from the booth. He kind of yahooted it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, he said, here, th- they said this is the, the new figure coming out for the next movie, and I know you're a Star Wars fan, so here it is. So And it was the carded, the rocket carded firing. Rocket is it a J-slot or an L-slot? Steve, what do you think? J-slot, L-slot? Uh, J-slot? I might be wrong. Which is it, Paul? It is the J-slot, but I'll yeah. let Eric confirm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the tab's a little bent or something, right? Yeah. Um, so anyway, over the course of about two or three years, I would always see this guy, and he would say, oh, yeah, I got one of those rocket fets. And I just said, yeah, 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 buddy, whatever. <laughs> well, I lost him, but I don't think he'll be very keen. Uh, he's already got one, you see? What? He says they've already got one. Are you sure he's got one? Oh, yes, it's very nice, uh, I told them we already got one. And I just, you know, shook it off as another kid who thought he had a rock effect when and he was this is like, like a Walden Books or something? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, in a shopping mall. Uh, so uh, then, what, what town is the shopping mall? Uh, Naples, Maryland. Okay, yep. Naples, Maryland. Okay. So um, then uh, the Celebration 1 came around, and this guy went to Denver to Celebration. And he went to Steve Sansuite, and he said, and he explained to Steve what he had. And Steve said, well, if you have what you think you have, if it is probably worth around 10000 bucks." So the next time I saw the guy after Celebration, I'm in there buying books again. And he tells me he went to Celebration and said that. And that's when it clicked. I was like, all right, buddy, let me see what you really got, you know? <laughs> so um, he brought it to the shopping mall one day. And it just so happened that Andy Loney was uh, with me. I mean, he was in town. And so we just sat on a bench in the middle of the shopping mall, and he took this thing out, and Andy and I looked at each other right away and knew it was real. Like, we knew it was something weird, but real. It wasn't like some, you know, uh, custom his friend made or anything like that. So uh, he, we brokered a deal, and um, I guess about a week or so later, we went back, and in the food court of the mall, we made the deal. <laughs> and um, I asked him if he would, you know, sign some paperwork and everything, and he, he was a little freaking out. He never, you know, he's like, I don't want anyone to know my name, and I don't want the IRS coming after me. So it was kind of funny. I was like, don't worry. But, um... <laughs> Yeah, so that's how we found it. Well, and so then you had it, and then you did you try to sell it in the in the PCA auction? Was that no, was that? That you? was the, the next owner tried the ne- to yeah. The next owner, okay. Yeah. So I to be honest, I really I knew I probably couldn't afford it and keep it, but I knew I couldn't let this guy have it. I had to like buy it. Get it out. But, yeah, and and somehow get it into the hobby world, you know. Right. So and get into someone else's hands. So um, that's how you know when I bought it, I knew I was probably going to have to flip it, you know, relatively quickly. So. Right. So it ended up like floating around, and Paul's maybe the fourth owner, something like that. I think I am. I think I'm the fourth owner. So you're first. Yeah. You're well, well, no, 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 no. no. Let's see. Kenner first. Toys yeah. is first. Right. Some weirdo uh, is. 
second, and then some weirdo works at a bookstore is third, and then Eric is fourth. <laughs> right. Right. But the one guy only had it for a brief second because he gave it to his friend. Yes. So, yeah. so they came to me. Yes. And then you sold it to whoever you sold to, unless you want to not tell or whatever. I think it's pretty much common knowledge now. It's common knowledge. It, so, Rob, so Robert Levine. Yeah, I, yeah, I sold it to Tom. Okay. Um, and That's then, five. And then so he, you know, had it. Well, then... I heard, I don't know if uh, there was, yeah, so we went to Tom and then to Robert. Okay, I did to Robert who? Yeah, Robert Levine. So you all saw his uh, his episode on Pawn Stars. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. That's right. That's right. So he famously brought it to Pawn Stars and they all. Oh, he brought this. I haven't seen it. He you brought this actual yeah, yeah. piece he to Pawn Stars. He did, he did, yeah. We'll watch it today. We <laughs> have it on DVR. Okay, so then so this famous figure also was on the TV show Pawn Stars, yes. which I've never seen. So he brought, okay. Yeah, so he brought it to Pawn Stars. And what did they say it was worth? Uh, they offered him $100,000 for it. Okay. And and uh, I have a feeling that maybe, you know, I, I said if I was there, I would have just uh, sharted right there from them. <laughs> <Right>. so, <laughs> to do it. Uh, and, so, and so did they buy it? Uh, no, they passed on it. They passed okay. on it. They made a, they made a, he brought to the show, I think, for 150000 and he was pretty firm yeah, on that. 125000 Yes. Yeah, yeah. He was pretty firm on his price, and they came back at a hundred, and he passed. Uh, he just said, you know what, I'll hold off. I'll it was hold in off. the San Diego auction, too. Yes, it right. was the San Diego. Right, right. It was in the San Diego auction. Right. So San Diego auction well, before Pawn Stars. Okay, yeah. let's. That was actually Ron Salvatore. Who, okay, yes, yeah, Ron Salvatore yeah, piped. Ron, in. Yeah. We had to make sure Ron is uh, uh, yeah, he credited. Yeah, a key piece in this too. Because, Wait, Ron has a yes. piece. Ron, you yeah, yeah. are everywhere. Every yeah, podcast, so, all the time, all after, wrong. After I had it, I I think it was a Pensalkin toy show, and um, I brought it. I was helping Andy Loney with his booth. And we went to Todd Chamberlain's house afterwards because I wanted to show it to all those guys. Um, I think Todd was it. Well, obviously Todd was there. Ron was there. Um, Will Grief. And what, was what there. year is this? Jeez, I guess was it? I already forget. I have to look at the letter. Did I, did I get it in two thousand or two thousand one? Two thousand one. Two thousand one. Right. You notice I put right over here. Oh yeah, there's actually a letter yeah. that I'll take a picture of. That's, yeah. that's next so to two thousand one, and we're at Todd's house, and then. Um, they had someone, Ron, I don't know if Ron, was that you who had the Toy Fair slide? Okay, I'm not going to go over to Ron. Well, my memory is that you sent photos to maybe Chris G and I and me, and then that the was perfect timing because three, maybe two months before you sent us the photos, John Wooten had digitized a bunch of slides that we'd got from a Kenner guy, Toy Fair slides. And when, once they were digitized, you could zoom in and you could see uh, a Boba Fett carded figure at Toy Fair and it was obviously a different card back, right? So as soon as I saw your, your, um, the photo of your item that you had, I'm like, oh my God. Like, I know there's a Fett just like that that was at Toy Fair and I bet it's the same exact one. So, so you had just found the slide right before meeting Eric? If you hadn't found the slide, Eric's piece would have been a mystery item. It would have been like, okay, this is probably this, but nobody could exactly say. But because of that, it, the fireball in the photo, the Toy Fair photo, the fireball on the card is distinct and it completely matches Eric. So it's not like someone could have accidentally made a matching one. So it was like, this is proof positive because no one else had ever seen that photo. I'm it's not like Eric's guy had those slides and could copy it. So it's like he has a this figure and it matches this photo that only a few people have ever seen. And there's no way that that could possibly be a coincidence. And so I was like, Eric, there's no doubt this is real. I remember we were, I was 
it wasn't text at that time. We were probably uh, instant AOL instant messenger. John Wooten and I late at night. It was like uh, it was like 3 a.m. in the morning, and I was like, oh my god, look at matches. And then I we told Eric about it. I think that's more or less how we sort of confirmed that it was not the guy was not BSing you about it. Right. No, owners number one and two were not BSing. And then Paul's actually blown up this image, super large size, from the slide that Ron must have brought all the way back in 2001. And you can see how different the image is. It looks like the standard Boba Fett that right. you think of, but there's a lot of little differences, especially in the fireball. Okay, all right. So now, now we... Todd Chamberlain, I think, owned the slide for a while. I mean, yeah. So um, he must have... Yeah, because he showed it to us when we went to yeah, Todd's so house that night. Saw it in person, yeah. in slide form, but it wasn't. It wasn't really until we scanned the photos that could see him at large right. size. And there's nothing in that photo that would really show you that it's a rocket firing fan. Like, you know, so it, it was just. Luckily, when they made the mock-up figure, it's a carded. It's a. When they made a mock-up carded figure, they used a rocket-firing FET on the mock-up. Because you can't really tell unless you pull it off, right? Because right. it's... Right. Right. And, and was, was it ever pulled off? Yeah. You could, yeah. No, you can pull the figure out. The bubble was, like, partially lifted. So okay. you could carefully take your fingers and, you know, tweezer it out with your fingers. Right. Um, and it had the, the back of the tray has a special little tray that kind of helps the figure stand up. You know, the backpack, you, you know, if you look at the figure, you'll see there's like oh, so, a... So that was put in at Toy Fair. That wasn't put in oh, afterward. Oh, no, yeah, that was all... I thought that was like some CIB thing or something. No, 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 no. Uh, oh, yeah, oh, my yeah. God, Paul's going to the case. He just yeah. opened up the case. And what is he doing? I'm getting, I'm getting scared now, Steve. What, what's going to happen? <laughs> He's taking uh, it out. It's emerging. He's emerging. He's taking it. We're, we're, we're getting close to being uh, the seventh owners, right, Steve? <laughs> we're about as close as we're ever going to get. Yeah, about as close as we're ever going to get. What, you, what, you, what would you trade him, Steve? <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, so he's now taking it out. All right, so then it went to Robert Levine, and then what? And then, and then what happened to Robert Levine? Our goal is to always take a photo together. Yes. Uh, with this. Okay. Jonathan, can you get a photo of us? Yeah. Okay. All right, so they're now taking a picture with uh, with the uh, with the thing together. I, we don't really need to be recording this, Steve. I guess we can. It's kind of nice, all the ambient noise. This is, uh, this is crazy. Yeah, yeah. We still don't know where it went after after Levine. No, there's a there's a gap in the in the story there, but. Yeah. <laughs> and this is this is kind of cool. One neat thing is that uh, it's uh, on the back. It's just straight cardboard, Steve. Right, there, right. There's no card back right. or anything. Um, now you should probably be taking yeah, a picture of this, picture but. Oh, you know what? Wait, wait. We should, we should jump in a picture. Brock, could you take a picture? Okay, so we're going to jump in, too, for the podcast once they're done. We're just going to look like weirdos on the side once they're all set. Well, we'll always look like weirdos, Steve. Well, yeah. Okay. There's nothing oh. we can do about that. Done? Okay. Well, he's, okay. Okay. All right. All right. And then just for the, for the podcast episode. Okay. Oh, wait. I'm actually recording right now while we're taking the picture. Okay. So this is weird. And I'm talking. And it's good. Okay. All right. Episode 90-whatever. Seven? Okay, so it went to Robert Levine. Well, I, I need to say something. My, my God, it's so cool. This out. Okay. Redacted. Just cut right in here. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm very good at editing out lots of things that Steve says. He really, it's crazy the amount of things he says about the people in this room. It's just terrible. Um, okay, so, so it went to Robert. Okay. And he had it up until Paul. And so he, that auction, so Ron actually brought up the auction in 2008. Yeah, the PCA auction. The PCA, PCA auction. I actually saw that and I really thought, you know what, let me just think about it. And you know what, that time it was a really economic, uh, there's 
there's a lot of economic issues. Yeah. Yes, in the whole country. Yeah. So so I said, you know what, let me hold off on this. I said, but if it ever comes up for sale again, I'll really think about it. So Robert Levine is the owner. And when it came on the show, I said, you know what, now's a good time to talk with him about it. It was on the show, it was right. on eBay, all these things. And I said, Rob, you know, I know we know each other, but let's seriously sit and talk about this. And he was gracious and he was amazing and telling very detailed with all the owners, very honest. And same thing also, I spoke with Tom Derby. And then what I did was when I saw the chain of sales, I reached out to Eric. So I said, Eric, you know, I want to talk with you about this also. So I want to make sure we got a good history on it. And after a long layaway plan, it's finally here. <laughs> yeah. And you're a dentist, right? I'm a pediatric dentist. Yeah. Pe so just on children? Only on children. Yes. Oh, that's, that's cool. Yep. Everything's there. And that, there's that little insert tray. Yeah. It has a little tray behind the... Yeah. So this is interesting. Was this the way that Kenner was going to actually sell them? Like, Was this evidence they were going to try to sell it with a rocket at this point? I suppose they were. And they must have made... Well, like so a, if you look at this... So if you look at the okay. over here... Okay, so we're look at the negative. So the negative over here, kindly, I got this from Steve Boswell. Steve Boswell actually purchased it from Tom Derby uh, a couple months ago. And I messaged him. I said, I want this negative. If you look at the negative, you'll see the negative up here. Caution, do not launch... Mm -hmm. Right, it says caution, do not put Okay, so what is this a negative? Where did this negative come from? This is like this when is they Tom, were. From Tom Derby also. Okay, Tom so, Derby, but yeah. this was, I guess, what we were talking about with Matthias. This was like yes. their mechanical mock ups and stuff. Exactly. And so this is a different card back art. Exactly. And in this one, it says caution, do not launch projectile towards face, and right. it has the uh, has the ruler next to it, much like it does on the Tuscan. Exactly. So I guess, yeah, and this one doesn't. So maybe they had already abandoned the rocket when they made this mock up? They may have. You know what? That I wouldn't. That I wouldn't know. You know, I think when I see when I saw this card, you're right. I feel this is the first one when they got to this. They may have been doing these things concurrently. Right. So that's something I'd defer to Tom about. This. You can also look at the backside of the card. If you look at the backside of the card. Good. I, I don't want to hold it anymore. I'm getting nervous. Hold it, yeah. <laughs> so you'll see where they have right. the tape. Right on the back, there's little tape marks the from the yeah. blank back. Right. Yeah, where the guy who's literally ripped it off the Toy Fair display, probably. Wow. So uh, owner number one. Wow, that's very awesome. Oh, now he's getting hugs from uh, from Michael Stewart as he's saying goodbye. Wow, Steve. Well, this was altogether too exciting. Well, I'm very happy that it was purchased, that it didn't go into a black hole. This is one of the coolest items. I mean, I'm not a fat guy, but this is just beyond unbelievable. And it, it's hard to describe when you look at it. I might see like the colors have like a certain weirdness to them. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's almost really like a sepia tone. Like, yeah. Well, it's yeah. supposed to be a photograph. Yeah. A photograph put on cardboard. And yeah. you can see where they like blacked out some stuff up top here uh -huh. like that compared to you know that card there right but this is still just someone took a photograph and put on so this is not like a printed, not a printed right, right. Piece. Not and, printed. and this is Steve earlier we were talking to Matthias about how they use the card art yeah and he's talking about that this is like before the chromalin stage. The stage they yeah. took a picture of yep. all the things the that they mocked yeah. up together right. so this is just a, a picture put on a piece of cardboard and then the the rocket fet with the bubble kind of like is it taped on or how'd they put the bubble on? No, I think it was glued, like hand glued yeah. on. Yeah. Right. Hand glued I mean, not on. Pressed, you know, not, not, not production press or anything. Yeah. Right, but it actually came out. Wow. So from, from Toy Fair to a Walden Books uh, to a food court. What did you eat at the food court that day, Eric? I don't know. But a funny story about it this guy had this thing and I paid, you know, a lot of money for it. But all he ever wanted to talk about, he had like the bronze, like Revenge of the Jedi paper, like casting crew paperweight. So 
the funny thing was, he would always tell me about the. Or I would always ask about this, and he was like, "Well, you sure you don't want that paperweight? That's like really cool." And it was like a casting crew item. I'm like, "No, no, no! I want this Boba Fett thing." So I just kind of find it ironic that you know, very common thing. You know, yeah. he, he he valued more than this. So yeah. until he found out how much it was really worth. Wow, that's awesome. So, uh, oh yeah, here's Jonathan McElwain, the, the man who put this all together. Yeah, so the uh, DC Club occasionally does um, kind of like a, a roadshow thing where we have people come in and do a appraisals so this same guy i'm sure it was him having talked to eric oh because because it's in annapolis he, maryland he, he came in with the brass paperweight oh my he was gosh. still proud of the brass paperweight and came in for an appraisal i didn't really know eric or, or i was just getting to know him at the time but just hearing this story from eric it was just like oh my god i think it's the same guy did, did, did somebody buy it no okay well can i tell you go ahead i i will pay double whatever he's asking okay. i want that paperweight want i want i want the paperweight that the guy likes more than because right. technically, it's more valuable than the carded rocket fat. Very true. By some kind right. of transitive right. property. I'll try yeah. to get that for you, Scott. Okay, I'd very much like that. It's now a companion piece with this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay, now I have to buy that. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I, I have first dibs, Paul. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, this is this is just great. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Weirdo at Walden Books. And uh, all right, I'm gonna take some more pictures to put them up. All right. Okay, I just had a, had a fun question here. We're here with Steve Renzi, who asked me a question. He said, Sky, how much would just the inserts on a Japanese Popey figure go? Uh, because somehow he ended up... How did you end up with a, just a Popey box, Steve? Uh, when Andy Loney closed down his shop, I spent two days helping to clean up, vacuum, get all the dead animals out of it. And what, what kind of dead animals? Uh, we found a bird and, and what we think is a raccoon. Okay. And then and then he gave you something in, as recompense? Yes, at the, as I was walking away with a tear in my eye, the, you know, he had a uh, just a popey box, and you know, uh, Chewbacca popey box in beautiful condition, and he, you know, I knew he had it for a while, and we were like, hold on, quote me a price, and he ended up just giving it to me for all the hard work I helped out with him. Okay. And, uh, and then you happen to have the the a, a bagged Empire Chewy. Yes. So all, all you need is the two inserts. Okay. So so what? We're now moving over to the Japanese experts. Derek Don Ho and Alex Alex Bickmore. So I asked them, how much would the Popey inserts go? First of all, there's two inserts in a Popey. There's the Star Wars one, and there's a, uh, what, Ultraman? Ultraman. Yeah, Ultraman, and uh, you see how I tried to pronounce the Japanese style, Alex? Did I do well? Ultraman! You did well, but they, they, just, they did stick with the Ultraman. Okay, Ultraman. Okay, so, so my question was, how much would these two inserts cost? Derek said $35, and Alex looked at him like he was a piece of scum. Like he just stepped on dog turd and that dog turd had a face of an evil human and he just wiped it on the floor and said, way more than that, Derek. You know nothing, Derek Ho. What do you think it would go for? Uh, actually, that was exactly what I was thinking. And Derek knows that, of course. And that's excellent that he knows that as well. Um, so there's two Popey inserts. The Ultraman one actually is released with all the other Ultraman Popeys that were produced for, I believe, the first full year. That would be about 35 to 40. The Star Wars is only available with the Star Wars, of course. And that one, no, Derek, you're still wrong. Okay, Derek just held up a 5, indicating 50. Derek, are you sure of this? 
No, I'm not. Okay. So he is right. Above, years ago, I used to get $50 each, and then I found everyone clamoring to buy more from me. Being that they're very often lost, I would say you can push between $75 to $100 each for them. Okay. Do you have any for sale? I do not. Okay. So Steve Renzi is going to be looking for those two. Good luck, Steve. Looks I- like it'll cost you $125. Bucks. Exactly what to say. But if I did have any, I'll contact you at $150. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Now, now, Steve, he also has like a basically a complete collection of Uzai. Yeah. A complete collection. Including the headman. Yeah, we're going to talk to him about the headman in a second. Okay. Uh, including the second photo Chewbacca, which That's of course right. yeah, is, yeah. is way more rare than the headman. Right. And aren't there, uh, there's differences between the names of the Chewbacca, right? Yeah, yeah. One of them is uh, Mayamum Adam. That's the rare one. That means monkey man. Okay. And there's Aslan Adam, which That's means lion, lion man. man. Okay. And that's the kind I have. Yeah. And uh, stay tuned to the archive party. There may be a third one. Maybe. I don't know. We, we haven't decided. <laughs> he has a ridiculous collection of Italian, yes. including uh, like uh, two different Yoda Empire Strikes Back Italian carded figures. Whoa. I think he has a complete 12 back run of Italian figures. And then you have the Meccano, too. Yeah, he has a full run of, of Meccanos, except for the Jawa, uh. which, is, which is kind of like a show-off move, because most <laughs> people only have a Jawa, but it's cool. He's generous and cool enough that we'll let that go. He has a crazy run of Empire Meccano. We yeah, can't even yeah, keep yeah. this all in. It's, a, it's yeah. insane. I, I was joking that he probably has items in his couch cushions better than my entire collection. But uh, I'm afraid to look. Plus, all those Seattle guys are sitting on the couches, so I can't. Those guys roll deep, huh? They do. <laughs> all right. Oh, cool. All right. Things have gotten too crazy here, Steve. We have to corner Paul. He's running around. He's texting. We need to talk about the headman because I heard there's a nice, lovable story about it, Paul. What's the story with your headman? Because we talked to Rick Springfield about his. Oh, uh, yeah. Do you have any number one hits? Oh, yeah. My number... Oh, no. Not not yet. Uh, hopefully, the three of us can one day get together. Okay. All right. So, what's your story with your headman? How'd you end up with that? So, so the headman itself... The headman itself... You, let's do this in a sec. You guys want... Ross. Okay. Let's do this second. Okay. All right. We're gonna follow. We're gonna follow Paul. We're doing ambush journalism. Steve's got to get out of here to get on an airplane. I got to get home to be with my kids and my girlfriend, and not in that order. Fortunately. Okay. So we're hearing the story about the headman. So what is the story about the headman? So what I did was, I, Rob Amate has a group that's called Star Wars. Put a bounty on it. Okay. And so I one day I was in Starbucks doing a lot of work, and what side? I thought you were a dentist. How are you doing work at Starbucks? So I'm also program director. I, I'm an instructor, so I teach. I'm okay. a program director at a residency in the Bronx. So we have. I was just doing residency paperwork. We have an inspection coming up in Starbucks, and I just saw this group put a bounty on it. Star Wars. I said, okay, let me just put the two things that I really want. So in this group, you just say what you would want and how much you would pay for it. Exactly. So I said, look, I paid for this, and that really got the balls spinning, the wheels turning. I started posting everywhere, but it was that one group that made me really start that day. And within 15 minutes, I actually had someone who messaged me back and said, 
I have what you're looking for. I have a headman. You, you just put that on Facebook. And Paul, do you have the? Does he always have the best luck? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, 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 I, and who, who is standing next to you right now? So right now, this is John, my boyfriend Jonathan. So, okay. what I did was, this is the best thing. Jonathan is amazing. He is. Uh, he's only seen Star Wars Episode Four. Okay, it's a good movie. Right. And so I've tried to get others, uh, but it's not possible. And when I had this headman deal come up, I said, you know what? Going to Turkey or sending the price for me was over twenty thousand. Sending twenty thousand dollars overseas is gonna be a little tricky. Yeah, that's dicey. Yes. So what we did was we were able to organize everything where Jonathan's able to head over because he had the time to go to Istanbul, Turkey. Wait, you went to Istanbul, Turkey? Yeah. Well, I was there maybe a month before. Okay. So it was quite interesting that I could have just picked it up a month before. But and, and why? Why do you go to Turkey? Um, just to travel. Okay. So this is amazing. So not only are you lucky enough to be able to get a headman within two weeks of saying you want one, but you have a boyfriend nice enough to fly to Turkey for you. Exactly. That's that was more meaningful to me than a headman always. Yeah, so, I would say. But I'll tell you that for me, he thinks the otherwise, but he knows. <laughs> now you Come can't see him. We all know. We all. <laughs> so I said, look. So he went there, and Jonathan has never ever had to do a deal for me before. So here he is in a foreign country, sometimes questionable political well, sta- it's, stability. Well, it's, it's Istanbul, so uh, you, we already know that it's, it can be complicated. Yeah, I mean, if you've been following world history, uh, <laughs> the, the, the Erdogan, uh, you know, it's not going so great in Turkey. I, I wouldn't go there for myself, much less for my boyfriend. <laughs> okay, so so you're there, and you have twenty thousand dollars American. So I'm there. No, no, no. Wait. So I'm there with only ten thousand dollars. Only. I'm there in a deal, halfway through, but I don't have the money, and I don't have the toy, and I don't know who I'm who I'm meeting, and the person who's in charge is not there. Right. That's Paul. And with the time difference, it was like four o'clock in the morning here and it was uh, like in the afternoon over there so it was sticky so they met me and they said well if you don't have the complete money then we have to wait okay <laughs> so wait why did you send it with only half the money Paul because Jonathan also has another friend his best friend was able to get the time off also so I recruited someone else another non Star Wars fan to go pick up a Turkish Uze figure so you have two people willing to fly to Turkey for you yes I'm very very in 24 big. hours in 24 hours. hours notice it was quick it was and, and we stood there for 10 hours you you're only there for 10 hours. So how'd you get the rest of the money? My friend flew over and he he arrived about five hours later. And okay. then I met this the, 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 the guys again. Now, what were these guys like in Turkey? Uh, they were, I didn't know them, but they were nice. Okay. Right. They were serious at the beginning and then they kind of like, they were very, 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 very nice. Yeah, I want to make sure I said that because they're brothers, it's a pair of brothers. And there's always controversies with dealing 
king in certain countries, and Turkey is 100% one of those countries. And I'll tell you that these two brothers, amazing. They were very, always transparent and upfront about the deal, everything, and what they wanted. And I said, look, this is going to a good home. You're going to have a lot of people interested in this. Talk to people, come back to me, and tell me what you think. And they immediately, before I could even finish my texting, they said, we'll sell to you. And they said, they're really, really nice guys. And so I want to make sure that so, so nice. Uh, for Tina and F.A., thank you so much. I just got really loud near Steve. Yeah, this is getting gnarly. Yeah, it is. Well, good. Well, this is an amazing story. So then you flew home with it? Um, yeah. In a little bag. In my hands. He's like, wrap it up, whatever. I just took a little bag and I, and I brought it home. And, and then what's the little thing on top of the case you were talking about, Paul? Okay. So Jonathan was very excited because he likes to get souvenirs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love yeah. that. So what it is, it's actually a cool little box. It had a Turkish mug inside of it. And it says Istanbul, Turkey, everything around it. So I'm going to keep that with the headband. It's always going to be a together piece. No, that's that's beautiful. I want to say this for a Valentine's Day episode. But we're, we're just going to send it out now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Paul. Thank you, Jonathan. Right. Thank, thank you, guys. Right. Okay. 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 Alright, Sky Solo recording here. I don't know if I'm the only person who's going to the Suckadelic, to the Suck Lord's Den. I uh, had to get here. It's in the middle of Chinatown, but not like that fun part of Chinatown where you walk around and you're like, hey, this is fun. This is sort of like the, what the hell's going on here? I'm about to get run over by a taxi and a car and a person. Anyways, I found parking in front of a statue of Maggie Simpson and Marge Simpson. Lots of people buying books on the street. This is exactly where I would want to find the Suck Lord. For years and years, I've listened to the Suck Lord's Breakbeat album. I mean, we're talking 15 years. The guy's a legend. And, well, let's see if I can meet him. What if he doesn't survive? He's worth a lot to me. Warning. The Suck Lord uses language not appropriate for soft ears. Uh, Alright, so, so after a, uh, a long way through uh, Chinatown, I ended up finally finding the Suck Lord's domain. Do you call it your domain, your realm? What do you call it? Suck Hole. This is the Suck Hole. We made it to the Suck Hole. Uh, I'm surrounded by his artwork, the famous gay empire, the Suck Lord Rome, 6,000, a bunch of things you've seen, a lot of things I've never seen. Uh, and then I mentioned vintage, and he actually has some vintage figures here. I'm going to take a picture of it, put it up on the show. But what is it that, that you're working on in the, in the Suck Hole here with vintage? Well, this is a bit of an older series that I've just had on the wall for a while. It's called Star Wars on Leather, and it's basically just a vintage action figure mounted on a... Uh, just a plain leather background, just a sample of leather that's been attached to a piece of wood, and I sort of paired the figure with, with the leather. And the idea being was, since I started doing this work, the idea is just to explore the concept of a figure on a backboard. And I always just try to push it in directions that are unexpected and, you know, beyond just the general frame of reference that you get from a, a standard, you know, off-the-shelf or even a vintage three-quarter figure. And I really wanted to focus in on the sort of more abstract nature of the figures, the colors. One of the fa my favorite things about the vintage Star Wars line is that it's very simple and very basic, and it's usually only employs, you know, two or three colors, maybe four and they have different textures, so I just had sort of fun, it's a little pretentious, 
pairing the figure with the with the leather because I have you know different colors and textures and things like that. And it was just sort of a way of looking at the figure more of an object and sort of removing the character and the context and all of that. And it's just more of just like a tactile visual exercise because most of the things I do have some sort of message or point or fuck you aspect to it. So sometimes it's fun to go outside of that realm and just simply work with form and color. Yeah, it's cool. And some of our mashups, like you have a prune face and Medine mashup. How'd you do that? Well, it was just more like I just, I never really liked the general Medine figure. I like the body, I like the palette, but I'm never into human characters. So, and the prune face body is a little dull, so I just sort of cut out the fat and just put the good shit up there. Same thing I did with the A-Wing and the Reese figure. Yeah. Just making the way of making the figure a little bit more compelling. Awesome, and the rest of this is like your, your workshop or your gallery. What, what do you consider uh, this, the rest this of this? Ro this room is the gallery, and in here is the workshop. All right, so we're going to be walking the workshop. I'll try and describe it for listeners here. I see lots of figures sort of on, uh, on the cutting board uh, with like sort of frames behind them. And so you just kind of like hang out here and take figures and paint them, and is that, is that basically it? And this is mostly done with mold making. You okay, know. so he has a whole, a whole pile of molds here. Like in the case of those Star Wars leather figures, those are actual just straight-up vintage figures. But most of the time I'm making molds out of kit bashes. And I sample from the entire vocabulary of vintage three-and-three-quarter figures and contemporary stuff as well. I'd be just as quick to use a Super 7 figure as I would like a Chips or a Pocket right. Heroes. You know, just whatever. It's like I have a, something I'm trying to execute. I'll just use whatever parts uh, are appropriate. And then sometimes I fuck with them a little bit with extra sculpting. And then I find a place for them with, uh, with the packaging. And this is the, the latest sort of ex ex exploration is really getting into framing them. It's like I, I, I do like to consider this stuff art, or at least I'd like to brand it as art because I can charge <laughs> more money for it. And... You know, for whatever reason, as much art effort as I've put into this craft, when at the end of the day, when the final product is just like an almost total facsimile of a, of a real off-the-shelf three-and-three-quarter bootleg figure, it doesn't matter how hard you worked on it, people still perceive it as a product. Right. So by putting a nice frame around it and hanging it on the wall, it's sort of asking the question, like, is it fucking art yet? <laughs> right. Yeah, I see here like a uh, uh, Darth Vader in a kind of like a tuxedo that's situation the, that's here. The, that's the Dark Father, which is a uh, Darth Vader Don Corleone mashup, and it's a piece about fathers and imperfect fathers. That's the the Led Zeppelin hermit. Oh, right, from the inside of Led Zeppelin Four. Yeah, and then this was part. How, of... How'd you make a Led Zeppelin hermit? Uh, it was a long story. All right. The, the body is a Gandalf uh, Burger King. Happy Meal toy. I forgot what the Happy Meals at Burger King were called. There was a Lord of the Rings set in 2000. It was all the main characters from the Peter Jackson movie. So it's the Gandalf. And then I, and I, I did a whole Gandalf series. And then I did a Sauron version. All right. Where I just chopped off, I chopped off Gandalf's head and I put, I put the Emperor's hood on top of the body. All right. So and then the case when I wanted to customize it further into the Hermit from Led Zeppelin, I had the Kellick head from Dungeons and Dragons, which I, yeah. which I used as the stand-in for Saruman in the Gandalf series. So I just put the, 
the hood, the, the, the Sauron hood on the, on the Saruman figure and painted him alabaster. Nice. And then there you go, Led Zeppelin IV. All right, wow. This is, I'm, I'm like the first person here. Everyone's still over at, uh, at Paul Chu's looking at his, his fancy stuff. I'm really excited to be here because, like, man, you should see it over there. There's like hundreds of people jam-packed. You can't even, uh, his... you can't breathe. It's at his apartment. Oh, so, I didn't yeah, know there's that. There's like 150 people in his apartment. So there's 150 people there and only one of them could get it together <laughs> to fucking come down here? Well, listen. I, I took I, the motherfucker <laughs> to be at the pool today. <laughs> I, I think more people are coming, but uh, I'm, I'm kind of eager. So. Right, well, as long as your eagerness is going to have to cover for a lot of other motherfuckers who ain't pulling their weight. Well, I, I can tell you, you know, like, what I love, because I want to get back to your music for a second. So the, the, the Star Wars Breakbeats record, what I love about it is that, you know, now there's so much mashup stuff with Star Wars, and there's that whole Headspace album that came out, which is pretty good and all that, and all the YouTube where you take, like, the Star Wars tracks and you make them dubstep or whatever. Yeah, I like all that stuff. But you were doing that, like, 90, what, 8, 99? First... The first version of that was 96 on cassette, but yes, pretty much. Yeah, and, and like, and you just, what I love is you, the stuff you took wasn't always the most iconic lines. So for the, the, the Imperial March, what you took from Vader was, Asteroids not concern me, Admiral, I want that ship. And for myself, my whole family, like, that's the iconic Vader line, because we listen to your, your CD really? so much that it's like, Asteroid, like, whenever I joke around with my kids, like, I'm like, being Darth Vader, that's what I say. That's so. Funny. Yeah, I don't remember why I even picked that one. <laughs> well, it works. Now, do you, do you still sell the, the Breakbeats album? I offer it for free on SoundCloud. Nobody buys CDs, really. Yeah, okay. I mean, cool. We're planning on putting it on vinyl and 8-track and stuff. Asteroids do not concern me, Admiral. I want that ship, not excuses. Vinyl and 8-track and stuff like yeah? that. Yeah? Vinyl and 8-track and stuff Vinyl and 8-track and stuff like yeah? that. But Okay, I mean, cool. we're planning on putting it on vinyl, vinyl and A-track and, and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, and stuff like yeah, that. yeah, yeah, but those are more just for collectibles, you right. know, it's like if you want to listen to it, you could just hear it on my SoundCloud. Right, all right, cool. Well, I think I'm, I'm going to get back to taking pictures and just looking at this stuff, Knock but stuff thank you very much, yeah. uh, Suck Lord, for uh, letting all of us in here. You're welcome <laughs> to just putter about as you see. All right, I'm going to putter. I'm going And with that ends my experience at the suck hole, period. I'm going down the stairway, which does quite strongly smell of urine. This is, uh, you know, if you're like trying to get some kind of authentic New York experience of an artist who lives in a loft in the middle of nowhere and uh, is making some crazy art, well, this is it. And it touches on Star Wars and the things that we love. I bought a gay empire figure, a born this way gay empire figure, a poster, and uh, a suckboard figure. I've always wanted one of these. So anyways, this is a real treasure to have here. And uh, you know, you're welcome, check it out. And well, that was how we unceremoniously ended our coverage of the New York Collectors event. It was an awesome time, but the Kivecast is not done. We officially deputized Ron Salvatore as Sky Payne and Yehuda Kleinman as Stephen B. Danley and sent them as our emissaries, uh, like, like, uh, like Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon to the Trade Federation at the beginning of episode one. We sent them onto the Trade Federation ship of Nashville, Tennessee to go to the official 
first ever international collectors. Damn it, ICCC, uh, Mike Haven's uh, convention down in uh, Nashville, international collectors convention. Yes, the ICC. So uh, let's listen to them. I haven't heard this at all. All that I know was that I was asked to remove some reference to Astroglide because it would be offensive to somebody. I don't remember who it would be offensive to. I look forward to taking it out, and I will let you imagine where it was put in. Okay. That was phrasing. So, Yehuda, we're at the ICCCCCCCCC. What do you think so far? I think it's always great hanging out with friends, and there's a lot of great stuff over here, a lot of Star Wars things to see, and a lot of vendors. Uh, we should add that we're in the, um, the first day VIP only, and we just saw William Shatner, and uh, he just walked right behind us. I think Yehuda actually missed him, unfortunately, but I, I happened to see him. He, he's still very quick for an 87-year-old guy. I think he was trying to avoid you. Well, you know, I was I was chasing him. He was very fast there. <laughs> but we're here. This is uh, Michael Haven's uh, big event. And uh, we're in the dealer section, which kind of stretches around here with how many dealers, you think? Seven, eight. <laughs> uh, there's probably a little more than seven or eight, but it's, it, it's kind of small. Um, and uh, we're looking at all the setup for tomorrow. And Yehuda has bought a Sigma, what is that thing? A Sigma tray a of Sigma some kind? Sigma 3PO pen tray from the great Todd Chamberlain. And uh, Sigma put out a line in the 80s of, in, of different ceramic pieces. And 3PO was on a lot of the desk set pieces. And so this is one of the trays. And uh, picked it up for 20 bucks, which is a nice. great deal. And we're also here with Brock Walker. Say hi, Brock. Yo. That was Brock. He's drinking a, uh, a soda, of course, a Mountain Dew. And, uh, well, I guess that's all we have to say right now. Uh, Steve Sansweet arrived. We talked to him a little while ago. He's going to be doing a panel tomorrow. I'm doing two panels tomorrow. Yehuda's going to be at both because I'm going to make him come. Amen. And um, otherwise, we'll, we'll check in later, and I uh, hope everybody at the podcast is doing all right. All right, so uh, Yehuda and I are here now with um, longtime toy seller and a friend of ours, Pete LaRose. How's the show going so far, Pete? Going pretty good. Great crowd. Um, pretty busy for, for just a VIP night. Uh, hopefully tomorrow's going to be better. But, uh, yeah, doing great right now. Uh, we saw that you sold a pretty cool item uh, for a good amount of money a little while ago. Can you tell us anything about that? Yeah, my, uh, my Vinyl Cape Jawa is no longer my Vinyl Cape Jawa. It's, uh, it's long gone now. Was that, was that from your personal collection? Uh, no, but it's something I picked up recently, um, and I kind of was thinking about keeping it. And, uh, well, put it in the showcase, figuring nobody's going to buy it, and all of a sudden, it's gone. Uh, how did you come up, come to find it? Did you just pick it up in a collection, or was it something that you bought specifically because you knew what it was? Uh, it was actually a, a friends who owned a, a comic shop had gotten a hold of me because they, they had it come in, um, and they they trusted I was, I could look at it and let them know if it was true, you know, legit or not, and then give them a fair price for it. So everybody ended up working out. Everybody was happy. What's what's the general market value now of a, of a loose vinyl cape Jawa? I would say a loose one probably. 1500 plus and then if it's graded who knows i've seen them up to 2500 well nice that's a pretty good piece so i'm glad you at least you sold something this quickly but maybe we'll come back and talk to you after the show uh just to see how it went sounds good look forward to seeing you guys all right good luck pete thanks okay here we are um it's uh it's me brock is here and we're with the huda and he's doing 
an unboxing of his ICCCCCCC swag, um, which he got for purchasing a VIP pass, um, which in case you don't know, stands for very important person, um, which of course he is. And uh, what, what are you pulling out here, Yehuda, from your swag bag? I'm pulling out a really cool print, which is partially filled in and uh, numbered, and it's cool. It's like a whole old trilogy collection of people. Very nice. Um, there's a fanny pack filled with potato chips. Uh, fanny packs. We are, we're all fans of fanny packs. Let's Yehuda see, especially. Let's, let's see. There's potato chips. Oh, wait, wait. ICC lip balm. There's ICCCCC lip balm. What is the... the is that nail polish? <laughs> Redacted. And um, two options, either chocolate or granola, so I'll go with the chocolate. So there's granola and lip balm, which... For a wild time tonight. <laughs> sounds like what I would bring on spring break if I had the opportunity. What else is in here? There's a really cool ICC VIP hat. A trucker cap. Very trucker nice. Cap. Very nice. Very nice, indeed. Um, I don't see any CAS buttons, but we have uh, AFA button. AFA buttons. AFA nice. buttons. And you can wear those and it, well, look, you have a hundred gem mint grade. Wow, awesome. And uncirculated. Oh no, no, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> You've definitely been circulated yes, a few times. I've been circulated. And that's it. Oh no, and a, and a fashionable tote. Oh yes, it all comes in a nice tote. So thank you, Michael Havens and the ICCC for this swag that you gave Yehuda for being a very important person. Thank you, Michael. All right, so uh, Yehuda and I are here with the man of the hour, Michael Havens himself, who has set up this entire convention. Uh, he's looking pretty tired already, although I can tell he's got lots of energy left in him. Uh, so uh, what are your plans for the future for this event, Michael? Well, this is a little secret tip. I am planning on making this four days, as long as I don't hemorrhage money, but it don't look like it's going to happen. So uh, I'm going to make this four days, and I'm going to make it every single year. So that way, everybody out there that collects things, whether it's Star Wars, G.I. Joe, Voltron, or whatever, will be able to have one place every single year where we can come meet. So that way, we can all get together as collectors and be collectors, because it's really important. Somewhere where we can get an actual hamburger for a couple bucks instead of a daisy patty made out of sawdust. Sure. Um, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for that $2 soda. I'm looking for $1.50 water. And I'm looking for more vintage. I'll say this right now. There is more vintage in this building than I've ever seen in any convention or anything ever. Yeah, no doubt. There's lots of vintage and you have some top dealers here as well. It's been pretty good. Uh, great so far, but tomorrow's the big day. Um, tell me, how hard was it to get William Shatner to come to your convention? Uh, Did you have it, to it was him? a lot of phone calls. Um, no, it's more of a, uh, I don't know, I hate to say this on the radio, but you know what? It's, a, it's an Amazon cart. It's an Amazon cart. Okay. If you click to add and you're willing to swipe that credit card, there's right. plenty of guest stars you can Does that grab. go through his agent or something like yeah, that? Oh, I'm yeah, just curious. absolutely. you got to go through an agent and then an agent of an agent who calls his agent, and then you, so that's the way it works. It's definitely a whole bunch of steps to get to the point, but... He has been in that VIP room for like three hours. So I was listening. Well, we to just it. went in there, and he's uh, telling some great stories. So people are really enjoying he it. He was only supposed to be in there an hour, and I think he's pushing like the third right now. He's well, been good. here since four o'clock. Getting your money's awesome. Worth. Okay, really so good, really nice guy. Uh, well, I don't want to keep you up too long here because I know you're busy, but uh, future conventions you mentioned, are you, are you looking different areas or are you thinking it's all going to be in this general Nashville area? We're going to keep it in Nashville because I'm in Nashville, so it's the easiest way to make sure there's uh, 
plenty of items and stuff because I know a lot of people around here. It's also a lot easier with knowing the fire marshal and knowing the police chief yeah. and all that stuff. Um, also, if we make it in a centralized location like this, the wonderful thing about Nashville, it's the middle of the country. It's been the middle of the country since the country began. So what you can do is you can fly from anywhere, even on Southwest, for what, 90 bucks? And you get yourself to Nashville. It's a lot easier than a coast. You pick a coast and you lose half the country. In Nashville, everything's been run through here from cattle to everything. Everything you could ever think of comes through Nashville and is distributed throughout the United States because it's right in the middle. Um, well, at least in the middle of the right side. But you know what I mean. If, if you're a geography buff, I'm wrong. But uh, no, I, I'm going to keep it here. This is where I live. I am tired of flying thousands of miles and spending billions of dollars to yeah. sweat with 30,000 people in rows that are two feet wide. So all my rows are 10 feet wide. Awesome. Little things like that. Well, good plan. Uh, so far, so good with this. And thanks a lot for being the man to put this on because this is, as you said, a great thing for collectors. And I know Yehuda and I are having a good time so far hasn't really even started yet so uh we'll talk again probably later on but uh, thanks for giving us a few minutes complete pleasure brother thanks for pulling me over all right man thanks thank thanks. you so uh we're here on uh, well day two for the vips and day one for everybody else the rabble i should say and it's early in the morning about 9 a.m and uh last night yehuda what did you buy yehuda last night i bought a display piece for some of the earlier factor pieces, the jewelry, including the earrings and the pins and the scatter pins. And it's a, it's a countertop display that has an easel back. Bought it at room sales, right? I bought it at room sales. It was uh, 350 bucks, and it was in really nice shape. And it actually is supposed to hold about 36 of these different pieces of jewelry. And so across the room was Todd Chamberlain. And I just said, Todd, can you help me fill this up? And he goes, sure, I have like 10 of these over there at the auction, at the, uh, at the, room set, at the um, main room. And so it's amazing how you can be in one room and buy like a 30-year-old display or a 35-year-old display and walk across the room and fill it up with, with merchandise. From it's a uh, Todd Chamberlain with Toy Chamber Collectibles, right? We're at his table and marveling at all of the weird little knickknacks he has, not just from Star Wars, but from all sorts of things. He's got a lot of Shatner and Trek stuff because William Shatner is the big star here, right? Yeah, William Shatner was here last night. He actually gave a really nice two-hour talk with about 60 or 70 people, and uh, it was, was pretty funny and entertaining. Did he let you take his picture, Yehuda? He didn't let anybody take any pictures of anything, but his hair was magnificent. Just... Uh, absolutely magnificent. I can vouch for that. All right, thanks. Uh, we'll get back to you guys later. All right, so uh, it's still Saturday. I'm still here with Yehuda. It's probably... You know, 1.30 or so now. We just walked over to Duncan Jenkins' booth where he's selling some books, his Dustin Duncan books. Uh, how's everything going today, Duncan? Having a lot of fun. Eh? This has been a great show. Um, yeah, it's good we saw your presentation. Uh, was it a new presentation or was it uh, just the one that you've been working on? Or how? I guess the question is how much do you modify those when you do them? So this was a, a very modified. Uh, I was originally going to do one that Gus and I have done in the past, uh, which goes kind of through our price guides and prototypes. Uh, but then when they announced that they were doing prototypes as panels, I cut out all the prototype stuff and I decided to put in some more of the humorous. I've done humorous presentations in the past. I've done food collectible presentations in the past. So just kind of made a, a little Frankenstein presentation of all, all the body parts. Well, uh, if listeners haven't checked out Duncan's presentations, they should probably do so uh, at a future celebration because I'm sure he'll do another one or I think he usually do at least one at every celebration, right? So his uh, presentations are always among the best. Wouldn't you say that's true, Steve Danley? Man, I would, yeah. 
The best. Adios. Thanks, Steve. Uh, how many books have you sold today, Duncan? I haven't counted, but um, we've emptied several boxes, so that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good deal. That's um, good. I think this is kind of a, a new group of people that uh, had known about the books but hadn't bought them, and uh, not the same type of people that would be at a celebration. So. Um, a good group of people to, to find them. Plus, we're having a really good sale today, so that helps. Uh, yeah, that's good. Is this, uh, if they do the show yearly, which I think is sort of the plan, is this the kind of thing you foresee yourself coming to regularly? Definitely. I mean, uh, I always look to uh, what I'm going to buy first uh, rather than selling, but uh, there's a lot of good vintage here, so, uh, you know, it'd be a place I would want to come just to buy, but uh, since I'm doing that, I might as well sell stuff too. Oh, well, actually, we saw you buy some stuff yesterday. Did you actually, I, if people don't know, Duncan has an enormous collection so it's almost probably a little bit difficult sometimes for him to find things that he needs. But can you tell us anything about what you bought last night at room sales? Yes. Uh, so I was pretty excited. Uh, there was a, a set of, well, not really set, but uh, Canadian Star Wars comics. And so it was uh, Marvel Twan, which is three in one. Uh, so like in the U.S. they have the Marvel two in one. In Canada they wanted to one up us, I guess, and went with Marvel three in one. And so it had Star Wars in there. Uh, well, I had issues one and six, and so I bought issues two, three, four, and five. The guy had those issues, so that kind of gave me the run now from one to six. But, as is usually the case with a completist, once I think I'm complete, he also told me that there's seven, eight, nine, and ten. So, <laughs> I got some ones that I needed to fill in a gap, and then found out that there's more that I need to go look for. That's difficult. Well, it's awesome that you uh, actually found some stuff to buy, but hopefully we'll catch up with you again later on. Anything to add, Steve? Just adios. Thanks, Steve. Anyway, this is uh, Sky and Steve walking around the convention. Thanks a lot, Duncan, for your time, and we'll catch up with you later on. Bye-bye. This is for Star Wars podcast. All right, so uh, it's uh, still Saturday here, getting close to 3 p.m. We're still walking around the show. I ran into someone who is uh, someone I've met in the past and is the brother of a friend of mine who actually happens <laughs> to be out here, and he's also a big uh, podcast fan, a big fan of the Kivecast. Uh, do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Ryan. And I'm Kathy. And we love the Kive cast. What do you think of this show so far? This is absolutely amazing. It's like a miniature celebration. There's so much vintage here. People from around the world, Argentina, Germany, Australia, truly international. This has been a great con so far. Uh, I love seeing William Shatner, and he's just, you know, the, just the biggest talker and the biggest guest and such a big presenter. He's wonderful. Cool. So uh, you guys are doing some cosplay. Can you explain your costumes? We're actually cosplaying as Mego Klingons. So the Mego dolls from the 70s, they screwed up the Klingon color scheme. So that's what we're dressing up as. Uh, what are the names of the... You, what were your names that you mentioned before? I'm Nayar. I'm Kavora. Well, good. I would not have gotten the Mego connection, so I'm glad you guys mentioned it. But uh, I know you're big fans of the Kivecast, so how long have you been listening to, uh, to Sky and Steve on the Kivecast? Four years. Uh, not four, F-O-U-R, but F-O-R years. It's pretty amazing because that was one of the earliest podcasts that I ever listened to. It's probably either the first, second, or third podcast I ever heard. And it's absolutely ingenious. Not only the depth of the interviews and information, but the levity of the program. Good. I know you mentioned you have your own podcast. Uh, what was the name of that again? We just started it, and it's 
Star Pod Log. So it's essentially Star Log with Pod in the center. So it's Star Log for your ears. Just like Star Log Magazine, the classic sci-fi and fantasy magazine of the 70s and 80s, we report on all the things that Star Log would report on. Strictly vintage, strictly classic sci-fi and fantasy. All right, well, that sounds awesome. I'm certainly going to check it out. But uh, well, just one more thing we want to mention. I mentioned that you're the brother of someone we know. We know John Peck is also a big fan of the, the Kive cast, and he lives in Connecticut. What's it like being John Peck's brother? Older brother, right? Slightly older brother. It's an adventure. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks. Make sure you have fun here at this show, and I'll probably catch up with you later, maybe at the hotel. All right, see you later. All right, so uh, we're at post-convention now at a restaurant. We got Chris Riley here. He was an attendee, big Empire State Collecting Club guy, uh, fan of the podcast. So Chris, uh, what did you think of the show? It's a good show, Ron. Uh, picked up a couple of things. Let's see. Uh, best part was the uh, moon sales. The night before I got the last day. What did I get? Steph, what did I get? Yeah, I got the glass leaf. So you got a, uh, a Brazilian glass leaf Han. Um, was that something you've been looking for for a while? Actually, it is. I only have two more left for the loose run now. Which two? I need R2 and Vader. R2 is a common one, right? Yeah, I'm taking my time on those guys. I should probably pick them up sooner before they get really too crazy. But... Well, I saw you won a, a prize towards the end of the show. What was that? It was a, uh, a fan made IG-88. Uh, it was all airbrushed and stuff. I forget who made it, but it was pretty awesome. Well, it's cool. It's always good to win something. Uh, you think if they have this in multiple years, you think you're going to come back and try to, to do the ICCC again? You know what? I'm going to get all over Jason Thomas and, and Thomas Quinn because they need to get down here next year, set up a table, a booth, and uh, get the whole Empire State Club down here. Uh, well, yeah, those guys would certainly help out and make the whole thing better, I think. Um, you know how much they'd love to get out and promote the club at cons. It'd also be good if Sky and Steve came out, even though we're helping them out with this uh, podcast stuff, documenting it for them. Not sure we're doing a good job or not. You know, uh, Chris, did you meet any Kivecast fans while you were here? I met several people who mentioned the Kivecast and also mentioned that they heard me on here. Oh, everybody here was asking where the Kivecast was. They, you know, I spoke to 10 people that during the panels that were, you know, I swear that the audio just cut out there, Space Freaks. I did not hit stop just because Chris and Ron were complaining about us not going to Nashville. We'll be there next year and uh, we'll try to be at everything where you want us to be. That doesn't make any sense. Anyways, that's it for the show. The last note will be Yehuda trying to perfect his impersonation of Steve saying, man, does he do a good job? Let us know on our Facebook page and like us on YouTube, maybe. I don't know. Just like the show more than you do or don't. Wampa Wampa. Adios. Okay, it's now um, about 11.30 on Saturday night, and when Yehuda earlier, uh, well, when Steve Danley over here did his interview, he, he, he gave us a man, but it was more of a John Alvarez man than a Steve Danley man, so we're going to have um, Yehuda, I mean Steve, do a man that's more appropriate now. Give, give me a man, Steve. Man. Give, try it again. Man.
I think, I think that's more of a good Danley-esque man. That, that was a good job. Man. Just one more time. Man. All right. Excellent. Thank you.